Welcome to Talking Mopars, episode number 142. This is a replay of the live-streamed podcast that I recorded Friday night with one of the most popular guests of the show, my friend Michaela Brass, better known as Miss Mopar. She returned to talk about her experience organizing car shows, her history at Chrysler's at Carlisle, including Chrysler's at Carlisle 2022, her experience in the automotive business, and more. So without further ado... If you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth. And I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, I have to ask you guys a question. Is your Mopar protected? Whether it's sitting outside in the elements or inside the safe confines of your man cave, it's important to keep your Mopar protected. That's why I'm excited to announce that I'm now affiliated with a company offering an amazing solution for vehicle protection. They have everything from basic indoor shields all the way up to the top of the line platinum shields offering the very best protection to keep your Mopar safe, both indoors and outdoors, from elements like dust, water, snow, and yes, even UV rays. Their products are guaranteed to fit and are backed by a great warranty. To find out more about my new affiliate, please visit TalkingMopars.com, click on the Affiliates tab, and follow the link to their website. If you need protection for your Mopar, don't worry, we got you covered. What's happening, guys? We are live for Talking Mopar's Friday Night Live with the return of Miss Mopar. Welcome back, Michaela. It's good to see Hi, you. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, you know, the last few appearances that you've been on the show, the numbers have been pretty crazy. I've been pretty impressed. Now, I can't quote them for you right now, but I can tell you that people are like, hey, when's Miss Mopar? I was like, she's just, she was just on. <laughs> so you're very popular. Here, I got a. I had a lot of people mentioning that they enjoyed the show, so I'm happy to to be a part of it. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. Um, I got to talk to you about Carlisle because it's one yeah. show that has been on my bucket list forever, and I've never been able to make it. And everybody that I know in Mopar, except for the few outliers, but uh, everybody's like, oh, you got to go to Carlisle at least once just to see it and how crazy you it do. is. It's, because it's, it's just huh? like the giant collection of Chrysler's all makes models i i guess it's just crazy and from the pictures i see it's like wow there's a little something for everybody it seems it's i mean the mo it's a mopar lovers heaven on earth and like yeah. you see things that span the decades of this hobby that we love and you know some of them are perfectly restored and some are in progress and some are patinaed and some are yeah. and it just sort of you know like you said there's there's something for everybody um, and it's such a great opportunity to shop because not only do you have the swap meet right there, it's massive. Um, but if you are unsure, you have a whole show field of vehicles to reference, Yeah, um, which is nice. Like when I was getting stuff for my 72 a decade ago, um, if you're not sure about something or you need a little bit of inspo, like there's a line of 72 chargers just that <laughs> way. So it's kind of like the whole, the whole experience. Um, 
and you know it it's just such a fun weekend yeah you know it's a you know it's a good show when you see like a 1987 chrysler lebaron convertible and you're like okay they got everything <laughs> so. yeah they did. <laughs> and everything at carlisle has a cult-like following you know what i yeah. mean like there's the prowler guys and the crossfire guys and you don't necessarily <laughs> see a lot of prowlers on the road yeah you don't necessarily see a lot of like late 80s daytonas on the roads but they're there and it's it's just really cool to see everybody come out like in you know just different generations of the hobby yeah. as far as they're interested in you know there's forward look cars and then there's hellcats and yeah. everything you can go in the middle which that is, is yeah no that's awesome um i do want to rewind because you had your show that you yeah. throw every year how did that go tell me a little bit about that amazing um I can't speak enough to just the quality of cars that we had there. Uh, we had just over 250 cars there and every one of them was just breathtaking. We had a, a large handful of AAR Cudas, uh, two wing cars. One came all the way from North Carolina. Wow. A handful of prowlers like, to see three prowlers in one place that's not Carlisle, I feel like is, <laughs> um, you know, not ultra common. And um, our best of show was a 67 Charger with a 6.4 Hemi Slaw. Like, it was just a really wide variety of very quality cars. And I, I couldn't have been happier with the turnout if I handpicked them myself. And it was like, every time I turned around, there was something else that was just spectacular driving up the driveway and we were, we we purchased 400 new coats for the local kids. So it was a good day. That's awesome. And what, how many years have you been running that show? Uh, so th that was the seventh annual less the disaster that we call 2020. Of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's cool. I, I love when shows are, for a good cause too, not just everybody. I mean, gathering for a car show is awesome, but when there's a good cause attached to it, that's always a bonus. And we're not taking for granted the fact that um, since I've been running the car show, this is the toughest economical time we've seen with how the economy is and the price of gas. And, you know, for people to still bring their race cars out and bring their you know, their performance vehicles out and, and then donate money, you know, throw a 20 in the raffle basket or throw 10 bucks in the donation bin when they get a burger, like that doesn't go unappreciated. It, it means a lot, you know, we're living in this world too. And it's almost like you hate asking for people to spend, spend a couple extra bucks because, you know, you just spent $112 to pick, fill up your pickup truck. So like you, you feel for them. Um, but the fact that everybody came out I was so generous, you know, it's, it's truly touching. Yeah. You know, I, since COVID it's, it's allowed me some time to think about it. And it seems to me like the culmination of all the negativity in society and missing out on like people's passion, you know, it just, it goes to show you how enthusiastic people are about this hobby and how much, you know, they love it. And they're so passionate about it that for a show to come back, and them to be back in season, you know, we're not all sequestered into our houses and, you know, we can finally take off the mask and all that fun stuff. Um, the fact that there was so much negativity in society, I think it's actually boosted people's willingness 
to step out and help even more because they're in such a good mood. You know, when people are yeah. happy, they're in a giving mood, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's very cool. Can you not be happy when you're getting a free burger and you're looking at other people's cool Mopar products? Like, Absolutely. You know, like, it's a good, it's a good time. So I'm grateful for everybody that came out. Um, and I look forward to doing it. We're on uh, the calendar for June 25th of 2023. June 25th, so, 2023. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It'll be, uh, we'll have to have you back on the show um, to promote that one. Cause it, it's, I'm all about promoting, you know, as fun as it is to talk about shows like Carlisle, Mo Party, and, you know, all the big ones, the little ones, like I said, you know, they, they need to get some, some notoriety for all that. Cause I don't think people understand how hard it is to throw an event like a car show. There's so many variables, you know, the week before I like literally feel like I need a t-shirt that says, I'm sorry for what I said when I was planning on Mo Car show, because <laughs> you're just so frazzled and, and you have this pressure on you that, you know, I worry about things that maybe people that aren't, that are attending the car show aren't worrying about, but um, we've grown it to the point that like, we have our branding and I want everything to look nice. And I want my volunteers to present themselves a certain way because I want everybody to understand when they drive in how appreciated they are being there. And, you know, it, couple that with is there enough food do we have enough bathrooms what happens if it's 97 <laughs> degrees and somebody passes out you know yeah. like we have all of these things to work out and then you're like what if nobody shows up and in the back <laughs> of, you, of your head you know that everybody's going to show up and that your friends that you count on are going to be there no matter what even if there's a hurricane like we had <laughs> 21 yeah. um, but you know you're like, I don't think I slept the night before because I kept just being like, oh, my God, what if nine o'clock rolls around and the lot's empty? And what do I do then? <laughs> the anxiety. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's it gets to you. And then you're like sort of running on autopilot and adrenaline and <laughs> you get through it somehow. Yeah, like, sure. As far as all Mopar show goes, I didn't I didn't get to talk to anybody oh, because. Man. The, all the efforts, they don't stop at nine o'clock when the show starts. Like there's still so many little things you have to worry about, like taking out the trash. Yeah. <laughs> who, who thinks about that? Well, like somebody has to make sure that the big trash cans are emptied and somebody has to count votes, which is my least <laughs> of all of all of it. One of my other car shows that we run, we hired judges this year and we got equally as many complaints, but at least I didn't have to count votes. Like it is so difficult and it's sometimes so close. And you're like, what if that person rounding out the top 10 of whatever is a four way tie of people with three votes or one vote? Like, you know, you're asking 250 people to vote. So it's not like, it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I think my, my list of like, you know, we write the number and we tally it. It was pretty long. Like there were a lot of cars that got votes, but, and then uh, to look at those top ones and I don't know. So it's, it's a, it's a labor of love from like a year before to the day after. And then the next day you start doing the next one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I'm already excited about 2023. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it tough being an event organizer and going to 
other small events and seeing, you know, maybe where the shortcomings of other events do you wish uh, you could, you know, is, is that tough? And, and in retrospect, I pick mine apart, you know, mm -hmm. so I run another show that I've mentioned on the podcast, the first time I was here, the Ambler show, and that's a street show. Uh, it's a, not a benefit show. So they're two very different dynamics. Um, but I compare those and, and how they're run and, and what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong and how we can adapt uh, a segment of one car show to sort of better the other and, and likewise. And every car show I go to now, I feel like I'm like in the back of my mind criticizing either theirs or mine. <laughs> and not in a bad way. Like yeah. I would, as somebody that runs a car show, I would never go up to somebody and, and share some ridiculous something that I think might be a complaint or might be an advice because advice is usually a complaint in these sort of scenarios, you know? Um, but you, you find yourself picking up on yeah. <laughs> like in my head. And I do this with Carlisle sometimes too. And, and here's Carlisle, the grandest Mopar show in the world. And as someone who has walked 10 miles up and down the back driveway at Lansdale Chrysler trying to figure out the most efficient entry and exit plan. Sometimes I'm sitting waiting to get into Carlisle and I'm like, this is what I would do a little bit different. <laughs> and it's not a, and it's not a complaint, but you're just always like sort of, my mind is always going how I can better all my partial. No, absolutely. It when you've been in that seat, you know, and there's always room for improvement, right? And when you have the experience, it's, it's, it makes it a little bit easier to be like, oh, well, this is what I would do. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, I did want to say, oh, go ahead. I cut you off. Oh, I was just going to say hi to everybody in the chat. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Miss Mopar has returned and uh, we're going to talk some Carlisle here in a little bit, but we're talking uh, some car show event. Uh, stuff which is fun for me because a long time ago in a galaxy far away i actually held a car show for my senior project and it was the biggest nightmare i could have ever imagined with oh, oh well you, you need an ambulance you need yeah. you know cops you need insurance and it's like i'm a high school kid what do you what do you want from me <laughs> yeah and those are things you need and then not to even mention the things you need to promote the event like did you do a press release is your press release correct because news stations won't touch them if they're not yeah. correct <laughs> uh, and it's just like all this crazy little stuff but it <sighs> keeps us going gives us a purpose i guess it and does it, then then our hobby would be just us sitting in our garages playing yeah. cars, right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just funny because i, I think about how easy the cars and coffee organizers have it. They just have to find a place to do it. That'll allow them to, yeah. <laughs> to get there. And it's like super easy, no trophies or anything to show up, which, you know, there's a cool dynamic to that too. It's just, just hang out, <laughs> you know, bring your car. actually so distraught my family and I, because every Saturday morning we did cars and coffee at old forge motor cars, which is a fairly popular classic car consignment um, dealer in our area and they just got bought and they closed down. So the last cars and coffee was actually while we were away at Carlisle. So our, our last uh, experience there was the weekend before. And it's sad. Like these people yeah. become your 
sort of weird donut eating family, you know, like everybody has their little place. Like my, we were the Mopar people, of course. And there was a conference table in the middle of the showroom. And that's where we always sat. And like people, there was a guy that told dad jokes and he would come up and there was a guy that was a cop and he would come up and talk to my sister. And it's like, we're, we're not sure what we're going to do tomorrow morning <laughs> because you're like, I don't know. You get so, so used to the rhythm of seeing these people and, and spending the morning with them that they become like this weird little car family. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, it's funny. The people that, uh, I've heard from people from our previous episodes about your show and how amazing it is. It's it has now ended up on my bucket list of Mopar events. So I hope to make it to that one someday. <laughs> It'll be a lot of fun. Let's talk about Carlisle a little bit. Yeah. It, every time you post about Carlisle, I'm like, is this a brass family reunion or what? It seems like your whole family heads out to Carlisle. How many, <laughs> how many people from your family go? It's dwindled over the years because, you know, somebody gets married or somebody moves away or whatever. Um, but this year it was m myself, of course, my sister. She was there with her 2000 Jeep Cherokee. My dad was there with his 62 Chrysler 300. That was in the T-Building Invitational. It was Mopars in the family display, which is something super cool we could talk about. Um, my uncle was there with his 71 GTX, which has become famous in its own right for this photo that is circles all the B-body groups, all the Mopar groups of him pulling his boat out of the water in the late 80s. Like it's I've seen it. <laughs> it's so um, cool. And then uh, his son comes out for the day. He used to come the whole weekend. Um, and I remember in 2013, he was there with me helping me load my car into the Invitational building and he walked out the door and he saw this Dakota RT and he, he drove home and drove back with the money to buy it. So <laughs> Carlisle holds a little place in his heart. Um, my dad's best friend, Mike, who's like a pseudo uncle to us, he comes out with us and um, a couple of my other cousins used to come and then we have like our our car family, like our good buddy Dave was there. Um, it was his second year showing his 70 Cornet convertible. Um, oh, wow. And then we just run into all sorts of people, kind of like a family reunion, I guess. I imagine that you don't get much time to just breathe when you're at Carlisle. I'm sure you get approached no, quite a bit. It's crazy. Like uh, my sister calls me and she's like, can you come up to the Jeep? I need something. And two hours later, she's like, where are you? And I'm like, well, I'm <laughs> <three feet." laughs> But it's so much fun. You, you know, I've, I've been showing at Carlisle for a decade now. And, um, you know, you have your, your regulars that always come up to you every year. And, like, there are some guys, like m my friends Bill and his son, sons, and Dan and his sons. Like, I've seen their kids grow up because they used to be small and they used to come up to me and they used to be like, Hey, Miss Mopar, and now they're grown, like they're adults, <laughs> and they still come up and they say, "Hey, Miss Mopar," and it's super cool. But like, you really go through the paces with these people, even though you only see them once, maybe twice a year. But it's it's pretty nonstop. I love that, it. Yeah, that's cool. Um, it's nice when when I talk to you about it, I can tell how much you love not only your own shows and events, but Carlisle, and I. I all your posts, I'm like, ah, she loves that event. And it, all the posts I see from my friends, 
that have gone and that tell me I need to go. I'm like, man, I really need to go to Carlisle at least, at least once. And then, you know, I, I have ran into some people that will say things about, cause you get events where there's like drag racing and all sorts of stuff like involved in the show. But I've never really heard anything about that at Carlisle. I thought Carlisle had some sort of drag race or something, or is it just a burnout competition? So is there even that? What I gather, um, back in the day, very close to Carlisle, there is an eighth mile track. And they used to have some unofficial events there. Uh, you know, like on the Friday night of Carlisle, they would have a big Mopar event. And then, right. Now, this is just what I gather from over the years. I can't speak for 100%. Um, and then they had a falling out and now they don't do that anymore. And then Dodge always did the burnout contest. Um, and then they had the thrill rides, but then during the pandemic, Dodge wouldn't come and this, that, and the other thing. So, um, but I, I think this year they had a rolling burnout contest. Um, so they're bringing some of it back, but they're, you know, for me, Carlisle is predominantly just a amazing show. Yeah. And a swap meet. The swap meet is thing. I need to talk to you about that because that uh, people know I love swap meets. So they're always like, dude, the swap meet. How crazy is the swap meet? Crazy. And like, you can't come to Carlisle for one day. People who are like, oh, I'm just going to drive out on Saturday. I'm like, why? <laughs> are you, are you going to run it? Like, if you're just going to jog through the event because you need a solid couple of days. You could spend just a day in the swap meet depending on how much stuff you're looking for and how fairly you want to look like there are some super organized vendors who have everything laid out and labeled with costs and year and brand and this that and the other thing and then you have some people who have dozens of milk crates and they just throw them on the grass and hope for the best like so you could you could potentially find something you could potentially not i certainly spent far more money than i probably needed to in that swap meet over the years um but it's also a place where not only have i found things that i needed but i've i've networked with people who have been able to help me after carlisle is said and done and a perfect example of that is my dad needed a, a cab for his 85 uh w350 and it was last year at Carlisle that we saw one there and we ran over to it, of course. And the guy said, oh, it's mine. I just bought it. And he said, but go right around that trailer right there and ask for Rich. And we walk around the trailer and here's this just beaming man. So ha he was so happy and nice um, named Rich. And he worked with my dad over the course of the next couple of months, found him the cab we arranged for it to be delivered at um, Spring Carlisle. And like, so those are just the kind of people that you meet. Like everybody's so willing to help. I think these people kind of just want to keep the hobby on the road, um, which is certainly the attitude that the hobby needs. But, you know, you'll, you'll find what you're looking for, but you might have to dig through some junk. <laughs> and, um, you know, you, sometimes you see the same guys there year after year, and you're like, if you would just knock $200 off the price of that exhaust, <laughs> somebody might sell it or buy it, and you might not be lugging it home to Indiana, but to each his own. Um, but one year, 
This was 2012. I'll never forget it. It was so hot at the fairgrounds. Like, I think record-breaking heat in the area. That my dad, my cousin, and my sister and I are walking the swap meet. And my flip-flops actually melted to the ground. And people <laughs> were using, like, wet washcloths. Like, um, you know, like the microfibers that you would yeah. wash with. To pick up the the pieces that were laying on display in the grass because from sitting in the sun, they got so hot. You couldn't even pick them up. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. My dad got a carburetor or something that year. I remember him carrying around with a wet rag and you're just like, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny. You have to experience it. The first time I ever went to Carlisle, I entered the, the swap meet entrance. And we were just in awe at, at that. Like, I feel like we, were, we zigzagged up and down, up and down, up and down until we finally got the car show. And then we were, like, just blown away even more. But it's it's a sight. Yeah, I, I hear, like, I can't count how many posts I read on Facebook about, yeah, I got seven miles in today. <laughs> like, people were yeah. bragging about the mileage they walked. I was like, well, I guess go get your steps in, I guess. <laughs> so it's 84 acres, I think, is what the property that they own is. Um, half of which is uphill, so good luck. <laughs> um, and you cut so for some of their other shows. Uh, again, I've never been to their Chevy show or their Ford show, but I believe that there is spectator parking on site or camping on site for some of those shows. But for Chrysler, most every square foot of their eighty-four acres is show whether it's the corral or the swap meet or the actual car show so to see it all you're walking a lot yeah you're talk big hill a couple times so like get your cardio in before yeah. <laughs> when it's 100 degrees and you're standing at the bottom looking up you're like <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the pictures i see every year i'm just like god i gotta go it just looks so cool now you took home some hardware this year. Okay, so what class were you in? What did you win? And how many trophies have you accumulated with the little black dress, your 72 Charger? Just at Carlisle? Yes. Um, Just at Carlisle. Did you hear her, guys? <laughs> Just at Carlisle? <laughs> so I have a, in a, I think it was 2014, I placed third in Young Guns. And Young Guns is any Mopar as long as it's owned by somebody 25 or younger. Um, in 2015, I was Tom Wopat's Celebrity Choice winner, which was super cool. I ran into him coming into the gates and I was like, awestruck. <laughs> and so I'm like looking at him, like how the cartoons with the hard eyes look at somebody, you know? <laughs> and he was, um, he like looked back at me and I'm like, Oh my God, Luke, dude, <laughs> like, he's like, Hey, beautiful car. And, uh, I like tried to compose myself enough to thank him. And then, um, celebrity judging happens on Saturday, the event. And this was before I was a celebrity judge. So I'm just like, la 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 through the show. And one of the, um, Carlisle events employees was like, Hey, I think you need to get back to your car real quick. So I'm running back to my car and I, there's my celebrity choice award from Tom Opat. And I got to um, stand with him and get my picture taken in front of a general. And it was like, like a tear kind of moment. Yeah. Um, that was pretty cool. 
And then I won with the Power Wagon one year. And then in uh, 2021 and 2022, I took first place in um, its 71 to 74 B-Body stock charger and Super B and Coronet, I think. Maybe not wow. Super but stock charger. And back to back years. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always humbling. Like there are, it's humbling to, to be on the show field in general because the quality of vehicles around you is just second to none. Like you, you walk down these aisles of cars and, and in some retrospect or another, whether it's the, quality of their restoration or the fact that they're a survivor or the family story that they share or you know whatever everybody sort of deserves a trophy and um you know i you you just don't know what to say about it because <laughs> you never think that you're the one that should win and i remember yeah. my sister she's like oh the the winner's list is up and i'm like oh great who won my class like i didn't even think I never thought I would win it a second time. Um, so it's it's very special, I think, to win there. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> where do where do you uh where do you keep your trophies? Do you have a little display in your house or what? So I had all these grand plans of like when I bought this house, I was gonna do the garage all nice and I would hang them all up. Um, but I I have a, I had a lot of water in my basement last year. Oh. We got by some bad uh, storms, so my garage has sort of become a catch-all. Oh. Um, so once we get everything back downstairs that's supposed to go downstairs, I say we because like my poor dad has to help me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll probably hang them in there somewhere. Yeah. Right now they're like all haphazard. I still have a few hanging in my dad's house. I have one hanging in my office, the power wagon trophy, because power wagon sort of the face of all Mopar show. Yeah. So I have, um, all my all Mopar show posters from each year hanging in my office. And then amongst them is this trophy for this truck. That's still <laughs> kind of funny. Um, but then I, I like, I remember where they're in my car trailer, they're in my trunk, they're here, they're everywhere. It, <laughs> tough problem to have yeah i got trophies here there you know <laughs> that's cool the black ones are easy because you can just stack them up <laughs> stack, like, stack them <laughs> you got a stack of them <laughs> oh that's awesome um i don't know if i'll ever get a trophy for any of my junk but i i i would cherish it <laughs> yeah. and you know at the end of the day it your win is when you get home and you have had a great weekend and your car made it safe and like I was mentioning to you um, before we went live here, I drive my car out there. And, you know, you're when you pull out when Wednesday or Thursday morning, whenever you leave, right? You're sort of like, okay, don't let the tread come off a semi and smack up this car. <laughs> yeah. Or like, don't. And then this year, everything was going well. It was me. My dad was um, had his 62 in an enclosed trailer. I think it was my uncle, our friend Dave, who's in this beautiful uh, coronet convertible. I mentioned him earlier. And my sister, Haley, she always brings, she's always the chase card to make sure nothing bad happens to anybody. <laughs> and we're so close to Carlisle. I mean, like maybe five or six miles out. And it's like, you're sort of breathing then, right? Like 
everybody's okay. And I'm like looking up and I'm like, what's that? Like, it looks like a mist and I'm like, is something smoking? And I'm getting closer and I'm like, oh God, that's not, there was water cascading over the overpass, like a waterfall. You know those rides that you ride at like Six Flags or Jollywood where you sit in a big tube and you go through the (laughs) river and water hits you real hard? Yeah. It was like that of dirty construction water. And it hit the hood of my car hard. Like I jumped a little bit, like, oh my God. And so my first thought was, I just detailed this black car. Oh, and my no. thought is, oh my God, Dave's in a convertible. Like he got just smacked in the face by this dirty water. Oh. Come on, Penbot. There's blue skies above us, 0% chance of rain. What are the odds? That on the day everybody's driving their show cars down the Pennsylvania Turnpike to get to Carlisle, that you're doing some sort of road work above. <laughs> so you just never know. So to make a point of my story, the I feel like the real trophy is when it, you know you had a great time and your car is safe and everything went well and nothing broke down and you didn't overheat waiting to get in and. You know, nobody door dinged your car. That that happened in the modern section this year. I was reading. Um, the modern section is is on a hill, so it goes down the hill that I was telling you about earlier. Mm-hmm. And the doors on challenges are pretty heavy. Like you kind of gotta shut them hard. And I guess one got away from somebody on the on the decline, and it hit into the car next to him pretty bad. So like, what are the odds? But again, something you need to worry about that you probably wish you didn't have to worry about. So when when all is well and the car is home safe, you're kind of like, that's my trophy. No, yeah, I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> you said 120 miles away from Carlisle, one way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, that's, a, that's an adventure in an old yeah. car. <laughs> it know? is. And it's like, it's never cool. And you know, these old cars, they, they like the cold weather. <laughs> um, and a black car, like... Two and a half out. We don't. We don't like race down the turnpike by any means. We take our time. Yeah. But you know, so between like our bathroom stop and our stop for lunch, like it's it takes us two and a half hours, and like that poor car is just sucking in the summertime sunshine. Like I couldn't imagine the actual temp in the engine compartment <laughs> after we get there. Like, it's hot. It's hot inside. Damn. Yeah. Black car in the the twelve noon sunshine. It's an experience. It's fun though. I won't ever trailer it again. I trailered it a couple times when I first restored, and I was a little bit afraid—not afraid, but like I finished that resto with my dad, not but a week before Carlisle. So like there weren't all the kinks worked out. Yeah, sure. (laughs) So we trailered it that year, and then the next year. I trailer it again, but then afterwards you're like, you're, it's almost safer when you're driving it and you're in control of the vehicle. I think. Yeah. Every time I've taken my little truck to a show, it doesn't have AC. And usually around here in Washington, it's, you know, somewhat decent weather and it just gets so hot and I'm sitting here driving this thing. Sometimes you get stuck in traffic and I'm sweating. I'm just like, it's worth it. It's (laughs) worth it. I touch the metal on the door. I'm like, oh shit. (laughs) I burn my arm. (laughs) It'll burn you, no joke. Like, it's not, it's not, even like the my black seats, 
have to put a towel on them sometimes because I'm like, I'm gonna get third degree burns on my thighs <laughs> on this time I'm supposed to be. <laughs> but what? Yeah. What uh, at Carlisle? If you had to pick your your favorite car from Carlisle this year, what was it? So. Of, <laughs> this is going to be the lamest answer ever. Awesome. This, <laughs> I'll give you two answers. This okay. this one and then a runner-up, right? So this year, my dad got to show his 62 Chrysler 300 in the family store, family history display. And um, my dad's 62 Chrysler 300, this is only the second time it's been shown at Chrysler Nationals. The first year was 2012. And it was sort of a blur um, because my mom and I had actually uh, filled out the application in secret because um, we wanted to get it, get him into the invitational and surprise him. And my mom passed away. And by the time that we got the acceptance into the invitational, it was like, I forgot we did this. Like, so it was sort of like a weird, just a weird dynamic that year, you know? It was something that my mom and I sort of wanted to do with him and she wasn't there anymore. So it was a very special experience, but I almost think we needed more experience at Carlisle to understand what to expect that year. That was the first year we ever showed a car. So this year, sort of having more um, experience and knowledge about what to expect, what the just how what a true honor it is to be in an invitational display. Um, so we took it a little bit more serious this year. And I mean, that car is just my favorite car in the whole world because without it, you and I wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. And, yeah. and there are so many friends that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet and to make. And um, so in general, that is my favorite car. And I think it was super well received, especially with the story. Um, but then I also have the opportunity to present a Miss Mopar Celebrity Choice Award. And I'm a, I'm a black on black charger girl, you know, like that's just what I like. And I had the opportunity to talk to a gentleman named Nick and he has a 69 black charger. Um, and he pulled up to my car and he was sort of telling me about it and to not ramble on too long or to butcher his story because, you know, your brain sort of goes into overdrive at the end of the day. Uh -huh. <laughs> You're like, to a million people um but he sold the car and then he found it again on ebay and the reason that he recognized that it was his was because the center console didn't line up correctly when he sold it and when they listed it for sale on ebay the center console still didn't line up correctly and he got this car back and um He's just out there driving, like, he's like me, like, he's just driving it. It's not perfect, um, but it's his, and it was clearly meant to be his. And, um, you know, it's just like you could tell that he was just stoked to be sharing that story. So, you know, I picked that one because I thought, you know, sometimes the universe just has a way of bringing these cars into our lives or back into our lives when we need them. And um, I was just happy that he was able to reconnect with this car and bring it out to Carlisle and, and in turn share that story with me. So that's why I picked him. That's awesome. Tell me a little bit more about this invitational. Um, how does how does that work? 
So there are a few invitational displays at Carlisle, and they usually go by year. So for example, um, 2020 was the anniversary of the set 1970 charger. And they ended up redoing that this year because clearly there were struggles. <laughs> 2020. Um, so this year they had the 72 reunion year. So 72 chargers, 72 challengers, they were all in, um, I think they were in the Y building this year. So you can um, fill out the application. I don't think it's gone live yet. Um, but Ed usually gets that live, you know, I think fairly quickly by the, it has to be by the fall. Um, and you submit a little story and then this poor guy has to go through and pick which ones he wants in. And there's, there's not a lot of space. Um, when I was in the Invitational in 2013, I was in the female owners display. So they were obviously all Mopars that were owned by women. And I think maybe there were only like 12 to 14 cars in the display. And you know, out of at probably that year, there must have been 2,500 cars on the show field. You know, certainly more than that are uh, female owned. So he has to go through all these applications and pick them. I don't want to say pick his favorites because that, uh, I've spoke with him in great depth about it. And that's not as easy as it is. Sure. Um, so uh, the T building is a little bit larger. There's probably maybe 40, 50 cars in there. If I'm just going off the top of my head, maybe less than that. Um, and so this year that building featured vehicles with family history or family story. And um, one of the really cool ones was a Hemi Dodge that was equipped with hand controls for a gentleman who was paralyzed and and he was in the military but i believe the story goes that he was paralyzed in a car wreck and he ended up drag racing this hemi car with hand controls and like they had the whole setup there that, so that you could see how the mechanism worked and stuff so you know in after you're done sobbing about how <laughs> sad this story is he's since passed away you do get the opportunity to like kind of learn something about how they outfitted these cars so that our veterans and those who were paralyzed in other ways could still um, access transportation and stuff so it's pretty cool um so that was the t-building invitational now they have the survivor tent which is as easy as it sounds it's simply survivors and uh they think they did prowlers this year as well so that you you just have to get picked to be in one and i think you're very lucky if you do get picked because it's a lot of fun it it gives you the opportunity to take in the show from a different perspective i think um at least for me when i was in the invitational like um i think you get to connect with more people because there's sort the flow is sort of a little bit more organized than just people about. Um, but you also have the opportunity without worrying about wind or rain or whatever to sort of display like my dad had a photo album displayed and he has a large framed poster with um, like the original purchase agreement and some photos of the car towing a travel trailer, him and my mom at their wedding, things like that. Um, 
the car next to us was owned by a military family and they had just a plethora of framed photos displayed in front of the car. So it really, being in the Invitational, I think really gives spectators the opportunity to, to like dive into the history of these vehicles. And, you know, if you, you could say, you know, if you've seen 169 Charger, you've seen them all. I think that's completely inaccurate. Every, every car is different, but being in an Invitational really gives you the opportunity to dive into the story behind the car and why it's so important that that car is still gracing our roadways. Yeah, hundred percent. That's, I've said it before on the show that that is one of my favorite things about the Mopar community is the story behind the cars. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, there's, Oh, I always run into people that just have awesome stories and I'm just like, man. And sometimes I get a little jealous cause I'm like, man, I wish, you know, <laughs> I wish my car had an amazing story like that. Um, it just, it's something to cherish if you do have a, a great story. Um, very, very cool. And that, yeah, that's awesome. Well, and your car someday could have a story. You know, I know you have a young daughter. Like, who's to say in 20 years, she's not going to be sharing the story of her and her dad fixing a car. Like, I think about my 72, and I don't know anything about where it came from other than what we could piece together. Um, so it, it has lived this whole life that nobody knows about. But they certainly know about my experience and the importance that it's played in my life. And and now it's going to Carlisle and winning first place trophies. Like, I feel like there's always the opportunity to make that story. And if only they could talk, you know, I'm sure they yeah. have a lot to chat about. But that was almost the play on words for the name of the show, Talking Mopars, because <laughs> I, I encouraged people to tell the story of their cars. Yeah. Um, and every car does have a story, but you, you know, as well as I do, there's always like, you know, those, those epic stories, but I do love the stories about cars that were saved. It just brought back and like your, the little black dress has all sorts of adventures. So those stories are fun too. And then you get the stories about the guy who sells a 69 charger and realizes on eBay that that's the one because yeah. the council is off. That's, that's awesome. You and know. what are the odds? Like, thank God he didn't get in a bidding war with some kook that just wanted to paint it orange and crash it, you know, like, <laughs> because they're out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, there would have been so many opportunities for that to not work out his way. And I'm so happy for him that it worked out his way. And, and I'm happy for everybody else because, you know, we got to see it. And for whatever it's worth, you're looking at a line at Carlisle, like, 40, 69 chargers deep. But I think that's what makes Carlisle so great. You know what I mean? Like he could have been like, oh, you know, I don't have a $100,000 restoration job on this car. I'm not going to bring it. But then I certainly wouldn't be here saying, how cool is it that because of a a seam that didn't line up, he found this car, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. I just think every everyone has their place in this hobby. And that's the beauty of Carlisle is that they all come out to it and you get to talk to these varying, like just everybody's from a different walk of life, somehow, some way, and this just brings them together. And then they, we get to BS about all that we love. Yeah. (laughs) The only only time I've ever, I'm trying to think to make sure I'm, I'm not speaking out of line. The, and I think I'm right. The only time I've ever talked to somebody about uh, the story of their car and it just did absolutely nothing for me was 
right before I started the Mopar Hunter, long before the podcast, and I was at a local car show that doesn't happen anymore, and I was walking around taking pictures of cars, and there was this beautiful, it was gorgeous, it was a 70 Charger RT Hemi car, had a photo album with all these photos in it, and it was kind of eavesdropping as I was taking the car because the owner was there, and he just didn't have, maybe have like you know when you talk to somebody about their car if they are truly 100 passionate and all in about that car and he was talking about this thing like like a new barbecue or something i was like there's something off about this and i i had you know commented something to the effect of oh it's a real hemi car that's cool and he kind of just blew me off or whatever and i was looking through the pictures and i was like his wife was there with her dog and uh I was like, man, your husband's got a really nice car here. And then it, it all became clear when she's like, oh, yeah, he just bought it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's why there's no that's why. That passion. You know, like if you buy a car, like I, I would hope that there's a story behind it. Like with m- the Mr. Norm, I saw some comments. I Some of you guys have been called because I made this post about actually being interested in selling my Mr. Norm tribute truck. And I've actually been getting a lot of messages. I'm going to have to answer all sorts of messages and stuff because people are like, no, don't sell it. Cause the truck for me, I didn't build the truck, but, and I I've told this story a couple of times. So I'll keep it kind of short at a good guy's show five, six, seven years ago in 2015. Um, I had never really thought about a Dodge truck being a good Mopar project. I was always, Oh, it's a muscle car. You know, I wanted a muscle car at the time and I was walking through the show field and I look in the distance and there is that truck. And I, I beelined it for this thing. And I was like, Oh my God. And the closer, I, cause I, I've always liked like the old patina trucks and stuff like the old shop trucks. I always thought they were cool, but this one just, cause I was like, I knew it was a Dodge, you know, you see C10 Chevys and stuff. And it's like, okay, another C10. I see this short bed Dodge and I'm like, Oh, I got to go check this thing out. And Murray, the guy who built it did such a good job with the paintwork and recreating what a, what a, a Mr. Norm, grand spalding dodge shop truck would look like that it actually fooled me at first i was looking at it and i was like is this really a mr norm shop truck that's the coolest thing i've ever seen because the detail is is so amazing like he had a, a fake dealer sticker made that he patinaed that says grand spalding dodge you know chicago <laughs> illinois and i was like you know so the details i was like this cannot be fake and if it, if it is i was thinking in my head i was like if it is that's an amazing job and i ended up becoming friends with him and I wanted that truck. I fell in love. And actually that inspired me to go out and buy a 10 grill Dodge truck because of that truck. But that truck always, I always, I wanted it. I was like, you know, I was one of those people that was like, all right, you know, I don't mind buying somebody's like half-ass project, but buying something that's already done, that's kind of like the, you know, bought, not built type thing. So I kind of had that and I was like, oh, you know, I didn't build it, but it's still so cool. And it just, the truck changed my life when it comes to Mopars because it opened the door to these trucks and now I, I love them and I'm always looking for them. And, uh, I ended up five, six years later buying it and now it's mine. And, uh, I, I contemplated because I, I still want a, a B or an E body and I'm a, uh, a quick satisfaction guy. Like I can't wait, you know what I mean? And I'm like the quickest way to get to one of those is to sell my pride and joy. And people are flipping out because 
they think I'm just going to sell it without like thinking about it. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand what it would take for me to sell this truck, my dream truck, because it is my dream truck. I own my dream truck. Not a lot of people can say that they own their dream, whatever. So I have this dream truck and I'm like, you have to understand what it would actually take for me to sell it, you know, and it would be so ridiculous. Someone would have to want it and see more in that truck than I ever did, which is crazy because that truck changed my life. So if somebody wanted to fork out the cash or trade me something unbelievable and whatever trade offers there would be, it would have to be something that moved me as much as that truck moved me when I saw it. So for those of you thinking that I'm just trying to cash in on a quick dollar or something, you're completely wrong. I don't think anybody's going to come close to a good offer or uh, a good trade. And one guy actually said, what makes this truck so special? And I was like, you know, you've got a good... (laughs) <laughs> I was like, well, you got a good point. Uh, it's special to me. So I guess it, to, to anybody, yeah, it's special to me. So if it's not special to you, I get that. Um, I guess I'm uh, deep down. I'm really hoping that nobody loves it as much as I do <laughs> so that I can do. All right. I'm keeping it. Cause I ideally I would, my dream would be to put a second generation Hemi in it. So what if Mr. Norm had that truck on the Grant Spalding lot and he said, took it into the shop and said, all right, boys, let's do something to this. I, I would hope that he would put a Hemi in it. So, and as much as I like the gen three Hemis and the people that are doing the modern swaps, even if I swapped in a modern Hemi in that truck, I think I still wouldn't be satisfied until I put a real Hemi in it. You know, yeah. that, that would, cause I've seen one little red express truck that had a legitimate 426 Hemi in it. it. Now, if that guy came to me and said, hey, I'll trade you this little red Express with the Hemi, I, I'd, I'd probably pat it. Bye, Mr. Norm. It was nice having you. <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I don't think that will ever happen. Um, but uh, it would take so much that it's... And one guy even commented, he's like, isn't this like the fifth or <laughs> the second or third time you posted it and then backed out? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, it's like fifth or sixth time I've done it because I, I really deep down in my heart of hearts, I know nobody would give me what I wanted. And then there's that moment where they're like, here's the cash. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? But for me, a lot of the fun of this hobby is the chase. Every time I buy another car, that same night I'm on Craigslist or surfing through marketplace. I'm like, this is a drug that Mopars oh. are a drug. It's oh dangerous. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> my, <I'm>, <laughs> I, I am so thankful sometimes that I'm married. Cause I, I would be living in a trailer park, single wide, just front yard packed full of Mopars, backyard oh. packed full of Mopars. I'd have a couple in the carport. I, it would be disastrous. Well, get to Carlisle and go through the car corral because there's everything there from like projects to perfectly restored vehicles. And my sister and I were walking through and like a little bit joking, but a little bit not. We're like, so do you want to go halves on that? Because it's like, once you, I have junk sitting in my house that needs to be fixed. Like, but also I'm like, what's one more? <laughs> you know, Hey, you know, it's a sickness when not only do you have a roadrunner sitting, a roadrunner project sitting in your garage, but you also have a trophy winning charger. That's one, <laughs> two years in a row. And you're like, Hey, you want to split that one, sis? <laughs> I get that one like and it's like um i don't know what sort of like it it's sort of an indescribable fulfillment that like even when i just got this w300 last year you're just like i don't know it just gives it gives me butterflies and in some way that you know maybe somebody out there listening 
gets it because they've been in that situation where they've bought something that they didn't really need, but they needed it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. um, and when you walk the corral at Carlisle, like it's, especially if you walk it after you've seen some of the show field, like you're walking through it and you're looking at this. Um, I think what we were actually joking about was a, uh, was a Ram charger and you're looking at the Ram charger that like, I mean, you could drive it to shows, but like also you could really do it up. Like the one that you just walked by in the truck section. And it's like your endorphins are extra high at Carlisle when it comes to what you might want to buy, because you're looking at all these beautiful cars and you just know that in some retrospect or another, that has the potential to be that. I can't drive more than one car to Carlisle. <laughs> Why do I need more? But kind of, I want to have more, you know, like oh, yeah. you vision it in that, on that show field. And you're like, it's a good idea to just get another one. <laughs> yeah. The most dangerous I've ever been was I went to go buy, uh, before I got the Mr. Norm truck, I, I really wanted another tin girl. Cause I had a blue one that was on air ride suspension. It was a cool truck, had a slant six in it. I had a bunch of big dreams for that, but I was getting nowhere with the project and uh, I, I was inspired just to sell everything I had and start over because I was kind of in a, uh, a stalemate with my projects. And I was like, I need that inspiration again. And because I'm so addicted to looking for cars for sale, I was always seeing things and I, I ended up selling everything I had. So I had a bunch of cash and uh, I go to buy this truck and it turned out it was a complete disaster. The title didn't match the cab, didn't match the, so all the numbers were wrong. And so I backed out and I was so mad on the way home because I rented a trailer. (laughs) So, and I was away, way far away from home. And on my way home, I'm like, okay, I got this pocket full of cash. And this is where the disease and the sickness comes in. I know where all these Mopars are sitting in people's yards and driveways. I went to every single, I'm not even exaggerating. I went to every single one of them, knocked on doors. People would like, look, and I'd hold up a wad of cash and they'd run to the door. And uh, I threw everything I had at every single one of those cars that they actually answered the door and nobody, nobody bit on my offers. And I had some strong offers with the exception of one. There was a 70 Challenger A66 car that I knew about and I knew it was blown apart. All the parts were you know, in storage or whatever, but I had never talked to the guy. So I went there and, uh, knocked on the door and his wife kind of peered out and I held up the wad of cash. And I was like, I'd like to talk about the challenger. So she gets her husband. I forget what his name, like Ed. And so Ed comes out. Um, I don't remember his name. <laughs> uh, so he comes out and I'm like, Hey man, I've got a pocket full of cash and I really like that challenger. What's the story on it? So he starts telling me the story, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, man, level with me. What would it take to buy it? And at the time I had, I had $12,000 in my pocket, which in the grand scheme of Mopars, isn't really much. And the cars that I was looking at, this was like the, the craziest car out of all of them. And it was just an a 6670 challenger. And he's like 30 without a skip, he's like $30,000. And I was like, good God. And I was like, I, I kept my composure. And I said, I have $12,000 cash here. I was like, I will go to the bank right now and get another $5,000 cash and put $17,000 in your hand today. And you can get a spot in your driveway back. And uh, he basically laughed in my face. He's like, yeah, 30,000. And I was like, 29? <laughs> I didn't even have $29,000. And he's like, 30,000. I was like, all right, this is a lost cause. Have a nice day, sir. I'll be back. I'll be back some other time. Um, but uh, d- dangerous with money. And when I go to, like, if I was at Carlisle in the car corral, before I even found something to buy, I would probably 
the ideas that would be going through my head are, okay, if I found something cool enough, how would I even get it home? I'd have to, you know, I'd be like, what yeah. kind of shipping companies are around? Like, uh, it's a, it's a disease. It's it dangerous. I, if I had a lot of money, my God, I would have too many cars. <laughs> it, would, yeah. it would be bad. I, uh, I want to share a quick story with you, but it only involves me a little bit. When I was, um, probably in high school, there was this old, uh, it was a 70 charger that drove around town and the couple owned a local pool shop, like a pool supplies place. And, um, their last name was Fretz. And my dad and I would always talk about this car. It was an orange charger. For years, we tried to get that car. We'd leave notes. We'd knock on the door. And the, the owner always said no. Her husband had passed away. She, she drove it for a long while, and she parked it in the garage. And sometimes we'd drive by there without being suspicious and be like, can you see it? Is it still in, it? Is in there? Is it still in there? And um, a friend of mine that I worked with, he was like, you know what? I'm just going to knock on the door and ask. And he knocked on the door and he gave us, he got a phone number, but it was still like, nope, not selling, not selling. So a couple of years go by, my sister is dating this guy and she sends us a picture. Now, this is my middle sister. She couldn't tell you a Chrysler from upon the the Chrysler hit her upside the head. Um, she sends us this picture of this orange charger and she says, look at what my boyfriend's dad is working on in his body shop. And damn if it's not this orange charger that we've chased for years and years and years and years. So they send us a couple more pictures and, you know, we're like, ah, oh, bummer. Wish we could have got that thing. A couple of weeks ago, I pull into Cars and Coffee that I mentioned is over now. And there's an orange 70 charger. And I'm like, that has to be the Fretz car. So I walk into Cars and Coffee and I, and I say to my dad, like, is that the Fretz car? He's like, no, no, that one, that one had to be a Charger 500 because it didn't have hidden headlights. And this one had the hidden headlights down. And I'm like, ah, oh, bummer. I thought maybe that was it. Anyway, like we're the Mopar table at Carson Coffee. So over comes this guy named Jerry. And lo and behold, this is the Fretz pool place Charger. 70 Charger. And he had it restored. He left a note. For that woman or he met her and gave her his number regardless they held on his number for all those years and when the mom passed the two daughters called him and sold him this car and um, he ended up showing us how years and years and years prior the hidden headlight motor seized so she just tapped the hidden headlights up and he uh -huh. still had the wire in there he left it in there that they have used to hold those hidden headlight doors open for all of those years that we thought it didn't have hidden headlights here. They were just tacked up. So this car, after years and years of being off of the road, has made it back on the road. And, uh, you know, would I have loved to have it? Of course. But it has a great home in it. It's just cool when you see something make its return to the asphalt. Yeah, it's it's almost like a win for Mopar enthusiasts because the car that couldn't get sold got into the right hands, yeah. even if they weren't yours. You know, it's like that's still cool. You know that somebody was able to get it. So many people think that they're doing a justice by not selling these cars to someone that's going to love it and drive it and show it and fix it, and whatever, and then their car ends up turning into dust. Mm -hmm. 
or or a you know cube of metal at a junkyard somewhere and and to to know that one was able to live to see another day it's pretty cool i hope that challenger that you didn't get lives to see another day i hope so um i don't have the cash anymore so <laughs> it's gonna have to go to somebody else at this point <laughs> now if if somebody offered me a bunch of cash for the mr norm truck would i go back and make another offer it wouldn't be no thirty thousand dollar offer that's a cool car but in the condition it's in i mean it's solid don't get me wrong but 30 grand i gotta at least be able to roll it onto a trailer <laughs> you know what <laughs> i mean <laughs> that thing is in pieces waited now though everybody yeah. thinks that their car and this isn't even just classic slash collector pieces like people think that they're 2008 1500 is worth twenty five thousand dollars because they read an article somewhere that the truck market is hot like everybody thinks that what they have is worth more than it is probably worth <laughs> let's speak on that for a minute because you're in the car business so i'm curious yep. to see especially now um i recently somehow convinced my wife that we needed a truck again because i sold my ram and uh <laughs> I missed it realizing that I'm a homeowner kind of, it's nice to have a truck around, you know? Yeah. So I somehow convinced her to trade in her beloved grand Cherokee for a truck for me. And those used, um, but they gave us like, cause I had certain numbers that I had to meet because my wife gave me the numbers and said, good luck. Basically, this is what we can afford. Good luck. <laughs> and being the, the relentless guy I am when it comes to cars, I was like, all right. So I, <laughs> tried to make a couple deals that didn't work. And I got to the point where I called a dealership on a truck and I said, here's the number. Here's my trade in. This is what I need for it. This is the monthly payment I need. No money down, nothing. The only money you're getting is off this trade, you know, for this car. And uh, I'll be damned if I didn't get three thirty five hundred over blue book on it, which was surprising to me. Uh, you know, it's nice grand Cherokee, but it's a grand Cherokee. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're a dime yeah. a dozen. So, there's something going on with the used car market. Are you experiencing the same thing? Oh yeah, it's it's actually settled, I think, a little bit from what it was probably a year ago or so at this time, maybe less than a year. Um, but I've been in the industry a decade and I know I work alongside people who've been in longer than me and um, it's just unlike anything that we've ever seen. Um, but it it's volatile and it, it fluctuates, you know, just because certain things are hot doesn't mean everything is hot. And there was a time there there where we just couldn't stock new trucks. And think about uh, the way that people utilize a truck, construction companies, uh, businesses, homeowners, people that tow a camper, tow a boat, like you don't really have many other options. You can't just say, oh, I'll just tow my boat next year. Let me hop in the sedan, right? So when the truck market, when we couldn't produce trucks, I don't know if um, you know much about our Ram truck plant up in Sterling Heights, but I believe the number was when it was functioning at full capacity pre-pandemic that every 45 seconds a new truck came off the lot. Oh, wow. Now, cut that in thirds because they laid off or 
furloughed, whatever, when they had to space people six feet apart and this, that, and the other thing, like, and then they cut third shift or whatever. So we saw an incredible decrease in new truck inventory. So that, of course, was really raising the, pro the price of used truck inventory. And, um, but, you know, like, I had a guy that came in with a 2008, and he was looking at, at a new 2500, which still, to this day, they, they're so light as far as like what is on the lot that they don't sit long like we don't sit on a 2500 for a week it sells rather quickly so he's looking at one and you know me as the salesperson i'm thinking like there's not another black on black night edition 2500 bighorn in 55 miles like I'm going to stay late and take this up because he's probably going to buy this truck. And he got all whacked out because he wanted $25,000 for his 2008 <laughs> Hemi that like was beat to hell because he's a contractor. And you have to just remind people that like, yes, there's a, there's, there are inflated trade in values of a lot of cars that are very sought after, but not every vehicle is being impacted by this and um i don't think people quite grasp that sometimes like i can't turn around and sell an 08 1500 that needs body work on every panel of the truck <laughs> as easily as i can sell a 2019 dt bighorn black you know night edition package they're very hot um so you know there there are lines in the sand but overall the used car market has been pretty wild are you as a salesperson are you the one that assesses a trade-in and assigns a value to it um no so i do kind of the legwork but i take all that data and then to my pre-owned manager because you know we're looking at um data that kind of changes by the day like mm -hmm. it's, it's really so volatile and um we're also there's also a lot of gray water in that when you we're, we're working with a lot of sold orders so customers are coming in and what we have on the lot is so minimal that they have to order something the way they want it in order to get it and um it it could be three months it could be 11 months we don't know so we have to sort of tread lightly in those kind of situations and i don't want to be responsible for that so i let the, the head honcho be responsible for that <laughs> yeah so you still stay the good guy yeah <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> let's do this i'm curious coming from your side of the desk uh-huh how does somebody get a good deal on a car i mean i think it it really depends like um we're the dealership i work for inventory is priced to sell so mm -hmm. if we're not going to mark it up ridiculous you know like i just sold a trx for msrp i really I, it, it was a it was a sold unit but like i wasn't going to mark it out fifteen thousand dollars on the dude like that's just not how i prefer to do business and i would rather him have a good experience and feel as if he's treated fairly and come back to me in the future then realize that i marked it up 15 when his friend got his marked up for 12 and and even though they both sort of got the short end of the stick that he got it worse like i just want my customers to feel appreciated and understood and i want them 
to have a good experience. And, and maybe that's not the most profitable approach, but like I'm a long hauler in the business. This isn't, this isn't just the job I'm working today. And in two years, I'm going to be, you know, selling insurance. Like <laughs> this is, this is my career. And I want to, I want to make a good name for myself in the business. So I feel like if you buy a car from me, you get a good deal regardless. And you certainly get a, a good experience. I don't want to take advantage of anybody because I wouldn't want anybody taking advantage of me. True. And, you know, you sell the guy a truck for a good deal and you may sell him another truck and another truck and another right. truck. And he's going to tell his friends, blah, 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 blah. And it goes that so I'm a firm believer in word of mouth because I've back when I had all that cash, it got to the point where I around here at that time that I had all that cash. Of course, it was the one time that no worthy vehicles popped up on the local Craigslist or marketplace. And I was like, every time I am broke <laughs> and don't have the cash, there's so much. It's like a plethora. I'll take, I'll take that one and that one and that one. And then when I have all this cash, there's nothing so bad. So, like I said, I had to go to all the ones I knew about sitting in people's yards and yeah. try and just throw stuff at the wall and see what stuck. Nothing stuck. So it got to the point where I was like, that's it. I'm going to go buy a new charger because it was between the charger and the challenger. And that was a family, family discussion. <laughs> so, so I was like, all right, I'll get a wide body charger. And I was sitting down at the table, uh, placing the order and putting in, you know, everything I wanted. And uh, of course, <laughs> this is how addicted I am. I'm looking at my phone at local chargers for sale. And I see a wide charger in go mango at another dealership about 30 miles away and i was looking at their website and i forget exactly what the price was it was ridiculous it was like forty-two thousand, and i was like and we had just got done talking the numbers i forget exactly what they were but um i was getting a pretty basic i i just wanted a wide body charger with a sunroof and the red suede the red alcantara uh, i was like that's that's what i want just black with the red guts that's what i wanted and uh, I saw that one. I was like, orange. I'm the kind of jerk that would drive around in an orange wide body charger. I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and uh, the price was unbelievable. It was under what I had just been quoting and what we were talking about. So I did the jerk move and I said, you know what? Hold on. I need to go call my wife about something. And then I came and I said, guys, I need to think about this for a couple of days. I need to sit down with my wife. She's flipping out. And I went over oh, to this other dealership. <laughs> uh, this is you know buyers are liars that's what they say <laughs> they're right some of the time i was just trying to get out of there because i was in almost too deep where i'm about to start signing some stuff yeah and i was like i gotta let me just figure this out because the deal was pretty good over there so i get over there the next day with my wife and daughter and you know, I'm all stoked. I got all this money down and I'm ready to make this deal on this car. And I somehow my wife was like, all right, if you want an orange car, I guess. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So we get there and my heart about sunk because I looked at the price and I was like, okay, yeah, that's the price. And then I look at the second sticker and I'm like, that's a $10,995 markup. Mark and yes. And, uh, it even said on the website, it's like sale price. And I was like, Hey, can I talk to somebody? I was like, this is the sales price. I got, I was like, come on guys. I was like, I came all the way out here. I was only, I only lived 10 miles away. I was like, I came all the way out here with my family. And uh, they're like, sorry, dude, there's a chip shortage. And this is the only one. 
in two states this color and they were right so i i knew because as soon as i found that orange one i went and looked for other ones there was not another one so i was like okay you got me there dude but 10 grand come on it was crazy i was like i'm ready to buy today (laughs) you know and uh they weren't having it there and they they pulled the old well if you don't buy it somebody else will and i was like ouch (laughs) which is true though the car was sold in like two weeks especially in this market like it's been the first time that I think um, people in my profession have really just put their feet up and been like, well, you're not going to take it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Like we're, we're not in the position to beg because we don't have to. Yeah, absolutely. Are you guys starting to get performance cars again? I noticed that there was a shortage of performance cars. that seemed they were being allocated. Uh, I think a lot of that is political. Mm. Um, not to get into that, but I do really believe that the holdup on performance cars has way less to do with the chip shortage and a lot yeah. more to do with the Green New Deal. Um, but uh, like I had, I had a sold unit go missing, missing. It sat in delay for three months and nobody knew why it was there or where it actually was. And then the customer got involved and contacted Dodge and eventually it just showed up. Like, um, I don't know. I have a lot of conspiracy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm probably right there with you. Um, it's actually funny. That was another thing that kind of, I, I was getting nervous when I was signing the paperwork because we had talked and it was, I forget what month we'll say February. And they told me that I wouldn't be getting the car until well into summer, closer to the end of summer. And the idea, because I was like, okay, let me ask you this. What if the car gets here? And I'm like, eh, I'm not really feeling the red. <laughs> and they're like, well, you ordered the car. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, you're going to have to put down, you know, a little earnest money. <laughs> you know, like you're going to have to put some money down. And I was like, Ugh. I was like, gosh, I don't, I just don't know if I'm ready for that kind of commitment right now. <laughs> so well, I, I, I can't stand waiting. <laughs> like I said, I'm impatient. Like waiting for a car is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And it's becoming the norm. And you think about how many things can happen in the course of three months to six months to 11 months. And for example, I had a very well-equipped 1500 ordered um, and it took 11 months to come in because it was at the height of the chip shortage and it had everything in it. So the more stuff they have in it, the longer they take. And um, in that time, the gentleman lost his job and couldn't oh, get the yeah. to buy the truck. Um, so you just, you never know. It's, it, the, this whole thing has certainly shifted the way our industry works in some ways for the better in a lot of ways for the worse. Um, But, you know, it's just, and what happens when you're minding your own business and a septa bus hits you and your car is totaled and what's on the lot is, is not what you want. You know, like I would be throwing a fit and a half if I had to get a new challenger and, I had to go without mine for six months because I had to order one and wait for it to come in and my color is gone and this, that, and the other thing. Like, so it just, I don't know. You're all mad because you bought the gap insurance. (laughs) Like I bought the gap insurance. Damn it. (laughs) And let me ask you this. Yeah. I don't want to, I know it's your business and I'm not going to try to get into it too much, (laughs) but I got into it with, so when I was out looking at used trucks, 
I got into it with this dealer because I, I went in there with certain numbers and they said, Oh yeah, we can make it work. And then they sat down and of course they started attacking on all this shit. And I was like, Hey man, I was like, I forgot what they added something to do with the, Oh, the window etching. And they're like, I was like, what's this $600 here? And they're like, Oh, the, it's the window etching. I was like, I don't want that. And they're like, well, it's already been done. And I was like, well, I mean, can yeah. we take that? You know, <laughs> so I'm doing my stupid little negotiation tactics and uh, they're like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll work the numbers here and here a little bit. And then they, I ran my credit and they came back and they gave me a rate. And I was like, Hey, Hey, you and I both know you padded that a little bit with a couple points <laughs> and the guy's looking at me and he's this Asian guy. It's so funny. I for, uh, what was his name? Uh, I, I think his name was Paul or something like that. Anyway, he's like, Oh, you, you good dealer. You good deal. I was like, okay. And he's like, you hard, you know, the business, you know, the business. I was like, I have a couple friends in the business, so I know a little bit how it works. So I was like, you got to come down on the points, dude. And he's like, Oh, that, those are the rates. That's your credit. And I was like, I just bought a car nine months ago and my rate is almost two points lower and he's like i could just see him in his eyes he's like shit and he's like hold on hold on hold on because i said i i'm not gonna play this game where i stand up and i go outside and you catch me right before i open the door yeah. you know what i mean so we went back and forth a couple times and he and he was telling me oh the rate can't be adjusted and then i got two points lower right where i was at with my current loan and i was like see that wasn't so hard was it and we were talking numbers and they couldn't get to my monthly payment and they were trying to add on more months and stuff. I was like, no, 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 no. And he looks at me and he goes, Chris, Chris, it's simple math, dude. Simple math. And I said, here's simple math. I was like that 71 extra dollars that you're saying, it's just $71, $71. I was like that $71 times however many months this loan is adds up to thousands of dollars. That's the simple math, dude. You're talking about, I was like, you're out of your mind. But it gets to the point where, because I told them, I was like, I don't buy used vehicles without a service contract. And the best service contract you have, I want everything covered, bumper to bumper. I don't want any surprises. I don't want any denials. I want it all covered. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we'll get you the best one. And it was like five grand. And I was like, hey, guys, come on, five grand. I was like, I know you guys are getting these for like 1500 bucks or whatever. I was like, I'm sure we can meet somewhere in the middle. And they're like, these are not negotiable. And I was like, guys, we just went through non-negotiable stuff before i was like just i'm not asking for a, a deal where i feel like i stole the truck from you i'm asking for a fair yeah. deal five thousand dollars for a service contract i was like you know you're making money on me if you sell it to me for three grand and they just would not do it and uh so i i did the thing i said hey i'm getting up and i'm leaving and uh, the guy goes oh let me go talk to my sales manager and i'm standing there and there's these poor uh Hispanic gentleman that I was overhearing their conversation and the, their salesman was like, I got you a killer deal. It's 11%. And uh, they're like, they were sticker shocked. And uh, I got up and while my salesman was gone and theirs were gone, I was like, man, I hate buying cars, huh? And they're like, oh yeah, it's crazy. And I was like, hey, that 11% he's talking about, you could probably get it for like seven. Dude. <laughs> I'm like the guy they hate. And there's another salesman kind of sitting there looking out the window. And he's like, why do you say you hate buying cars? And so we got into like a little 10 minute discussion about it. And I was like, it's this back and forth. I told you where I needed to be. It's simple. You either can do it or you can't. And I was like, the fact that you keep going back and forth tells me there is room for negotiation. And you keep telling me there isn't. I was like, just give it to me straight. Can you do it or not? And we don't have to waste each other's time. So uh, <laughs> me and this guy talk and he, he's kind of laughing it up and I'm looking at him. He's like, 
gold watch, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, this guy, he might not be a regular salesman. To make a long story short, we couldn't come up with the deal. And I said, look, Paulie or whatever his name was, Charlie, something like that. I was like, look, I'm going to walk out that door. I'm going to go to my vehicle. I was like, this is your last chance, dude. I'm not playing the, you know, follow me out to the truck. Oh, wait, wait. I'm not playing that, dude. I don't want to do this. Oh, we've been here long enough. We've been here for three hours. So he's like, sorry, can't help you. And I was like, all right, see you. <laughs> he comes out and he's like, what if we could get you the service contract for 3500 <laughs> And I said, you just spent two hours telling me it was non-negotiable. <laughs> I was like, dude, I was like, Hey man, have a nice day. Cause I knew even at that number, I knew where the numbers had to be for me to get the payment I wanted, which I, I thought was funny. And then I ended up finding the truck that actually worked for me. And I got a, an amazing service contract. It's like a hundred thousand mile, seven year service contract for three grand or two twenty something. 2000 something. So I was like, perfect. That's all I wanted. They got my payment. They got a lower interest rate than I wanted. So it's actually less than I had planned to pay. So I was like, how hard is that? But the night I went home after trying to buy the other truck, the guy, the salesman that was sitting there with the gold watch called me. And as it turns out, he's like this, the floor manager or whatever. And so I realized that I had just been got done talking shit about buying cars <laughs> to the floor manager. And he tried to work the deal with me because I knew I was watching the clock. I was like, all right, it's five o'clock. They close at like seven. So we'll see. And it's like 630, 638. And I'm like, wow, they're not going to call me. 645 on the dot. And it's him. And I was like, were you the guy sitting there that I was talking to you about hating buying cars? And he's like, yeah, that's me, man. I was like, ah, I was like, so what, what do you got for me, dude? <laughs> what do you got? Yeah. But it's become I, such a performance selling cars, which is bullshit for people like me. Yeah. You know, because. I'm a car girl and I want people to like their cars like how I like my cars. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And, and you know, the people that have created that reputation, they're getting a bit hard now. And so are we because like rates are high now. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty crazy. And, <laughs> you know, you quote somebody that's an 800, you quote him a six and he thinks that there's room and sometimes there's not like, I'm sorry. Yeah. that this is just a sign of the times that we're living in. So like, you know, it sucks that so many people create that reputation because in a lot of times it gives people a little bit of false expectation when they walk in. Um, and as we mentioned before, you know, it's, we're sort of still in that. Um, okay. Well, if you're not going to buy it, somebody's going to buy it. So yeah. we're not gonna, we can't bend it over backwards because we may not see another one of these cars for six months. Like, mm -hmm. um, my dealership's a Fiat dealership and we've been out of Fiat since, uh, January, I think maybe February, first week of February. And we won't see another one till October. So it's uh, like, that's crazy. All, all Fiat's there's not one Fiat on the lot. Nope. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And for me, it's just about honesty. If I go in there with a the number, you know, don't try to work me. If that's the number I gave you, then I, I tried to tell the guy, I was like, look, I'm married. That's the number my wife gave me. Are yeah. you married? He wasn't married. And I was like, oh, so you don't get it. This is yeah. the number I've been given. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> if he really couldn't do that number in 15 minutes, he could say, yeah, I really want to help you get in a vehicle. I can't get to this number on this vehicle, but here's something we could look at that might work. And then you could either tell them to F off, goodbye, I'm going somewhere else, or maybe it works out. Yeah. And you just never know. But I think the best 
the best practice is to just be upfront and be honest and in his defense, he did try that. He's like, well, I do have some other stuff on the lot. And he's like, just come look, come look. So I was like, all right, show me what you got. Well, was it close <laughs> to what you were looking at or no? No, no. It was over 100,000. I was like, hey, dude, this is a piece of shit. I was like, and he's yeah. like, I was like, I want that one. That's why we're sitting in there for two hours. Because I want that one. And now you're trying to sell me this one. You got to show me something comparable. And it was yeah. just so far off. And, uh, you know, I... <laughs> I appreciate honesty. If I come in with a number and you know you can't do it, don't try to jerk me around. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's wasting our time. <laughs> My time is valuable. Even if yeah. I'm lunch, like, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. we're not getting these minutes back. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. If you're out there like, driving a cool car, wouldn't you want to be spending most of your time around yeah. that? I would want to be doing. Yeah, I. For me, like, I get it. You guys need to eat too. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to steal the car from you. I know you're going to make some money. That's fine. But, you know, when you tell me something's absolutely not negotiable and then you go into the manager's office and then you come back and it's like, all right, we, we did this for you. Like, you're a hero. It's like, yeah. dude, we could have, we could have eliminated that whole 45 minutes of BS. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but it, it, the whole oh, simple math, dude, simple math. I'm like, yeah, it is simple math. Let me show you some. Uh, it's just there's a right way to sell cars and there's a wrong way um it makes me wish that i was in a position where i could give it a shot because i, I can sit here and, and and judge somebody in your profession all day long but i've never been on that side of the table <laughs> um so but i've met some amazing salespeople. but I, i've even had friends in the business where i got into the finance office and i'm like wait a second what <laughs> What is this? I was like, we already talked price. You're not adding all this stuff. He's like, oh, you want you want the paint protection film on the front? I was like, no, I don't. I was like, I know enough about. I would have told you that. I was like, there is no. I I always disappoint him because I'm like, hey, I know I know this part is where you start tacking on all the fun stuff. I was like, I don't need the spill protection. I don't need all that. I was like, I appreciate you. I really do. But this is going to be a waste of our time. I'm just here to sign paperwork, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it is a it it is a fun business, right? it yeah that's why i'll be that's why i want to be the best kind of salesperson that i can be because i yeah. want to be i don't i mean if the business goes electric here we go <laughs> it'll it'll probably be my time to find something else but until it does until it goes you know right now we're still having fun selling Hellcats and yeah. tr and jeeps and stuff like that um so i'm loving it and i want to be involved in it for as long as i can but you know without look at hey, that <laughs> that's my friend dave he's the one with the purple coronet um awesome and dave is my favorite kind of customer because he's just chill and we have the best time yeah like see? he just knows i'm gonna take good care of him and i know that he's just gonna be a great time to talk to and it like makes the experience fun. If all my car sales were like that, I'd be happy. Um, but I do, I, I want to be the best kind of car sales person that I can be because I want to be in it for a long time. And it's generally a profession where there's a high rate of turnover because a lot yeah. of people. And um, I feel lucky to have made it a decade. And I, you know, I hope I have the opportunity to put a lot more years in, but I won't sell anything that I can't believe in. A hundred percent. Have you been at the same dealership the entire decade? Mm -hmm. See, that's awesome. My friends that are in the business, 
They both have been salespeople and they've jumped into the sales manager's position. And at the time they were at Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram. Yeah. And then it didn't work out at that dealership and they left. And I was like, how am I supposed to buy cars from you when you're working at Volkswagen? or something? You know right? what I mean? I'm like, you're killing me right now, man. Oh, I do yeah. have a couple of friends that I like went to high school with that work at, um, you know, competitive brands. And, uh, we piggyback sometimes <laughs> in the event that somebody drives a F-150 and they say, this looks cheap and plasticky inside. And, you know, I give him a little spiff to send me his customers that want a Ram. It's worked out in my favor a lot more than it is. <laughs> but right now, I think um, our products are really at the top of their game. And I think it'll be really sad to see it diluted by this whole shift to EV um, because our trucks are beautiful and you can look at the competitive brands and aesthetically they're not as pleasing, most especially inside. Um, so it's very easy to sort of bring people to the, our darks, I guess. Um, so I hope, I really hope that there's able to be some sort of shift before we really see the new car market um, turned into power wheels. Yeah. Do, do you have any inside information? I know somebody, I think his name's Alex earlier in the chat asked if you knew anything yet about the new muscle car coming out, the new EV muscle car. Um, all I know is that they'll be making this shift to e-muscle. I don't, I didn't necessarily know what that entails and yeah, it could very well be because I don't have any interest in knowing because it's not something I intend to stand behind. Yeah. I've heard some interesting rumors. I heard that they were coming out that SRT is still sticking around and that they are coming out with some sort of hybridized version of a 6.4 Hemi, I believe. And I was like, huh? I was like that. I mean, that's more intriguing to me than a full electric car. But let me ask you this because I've been asked this a couple times and they say, what if this electric car looks so amazing and it is the coolest looking car? And my argument is always, yeah, but there is no turning the key or hitting the start button and hearing the growl. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I mean? that's what it's all about. <laughs> you'll you'll certainly lack that sound component, which I think is so important, like in new vehicles, old vehicles, whatever. Like, do you have any friends that are like, oh, put quiet pipes on this car? <laughs> no, we like to hear it rumble. It's fun. I yeah. blow through four ninety nine a gallon gas because I like the way it sounds when I push my foot to the floor. Like, um, and to your point, it it can be the the coolest looking car to ever grace God's green earth. I don't want to be taken for the idiot that's made to think that because there's no smoke coming out of the tailpipe, that it's so environmentally friendly that it's worth me investing in something that you just don't see the dangers of it. You don't see the effects of mining lithium or an ion, and you don't see the effects of uh, what happens when these lithium ion batteries catch fire and it takes four, five, six times the water to extinguish them. Nobody sees the effects of what's going on at the bottom of the ocean where a ship full of electric vehicles burned up and sank. That doesn't seem very environmentally friendly to me. 
So, you know, I'm not, I refuse to be one of these people that follows some sort of blind crowd simply because I'm told that there's some sort of uh, holier than thou component of owning one of these electric vehicles. My gas car never done me wrong. And I could certainly be doing worse things to the environment than freaking stepping on it, going up a hill. Cause I like to hear my exhaust. Like, yeah, no, hundred percent. It's all smoke and mirrors with these electric vehicles. I feel. And like Texas is like, Hey, hold up on charging your cars. We have, we're overloading the system. It's like, Hey, <laughs> you guys are, tra- I can't wait to see when California goes all electric. Like they won't sell new, like a lawnmower has got to be now. This is coming from a guy who loves his battery powered lawnmower because I, I, I'm the jerk. Like last weekend, I got up at 5 a.m. and I went outside, opened the garage. You know, the my garage door is loud. It's 5 a.m. in the neighborhood. Everybody's dead asleep, and I open the garage door, and it's like, and it opens up, and I'm like, nobody's stirring, and I'm like. Damn it, I'm gonna mow this lawn early today while it's still cool outside. I fired that stupid little thing up and it's like I was like, perfect. Nobody can hear it. Now I would never get away with that with a gas mower. So forgive me, everybody who's saying, oh, gas mo- gas mowers and stuff. I'm sorry, I got an electric lawnmower, okay? Forgive me. But uh, as far as cars go, like this <laughs> this is gonna sound corny, but the other morning I usually auto start my truck before I go out to it, but this particular morning I forgot. So I go outside, I'm like, oh damn. So I get in the truck. And I'm sitting there and there's this like, I don't want to call him a stray. He's like the neighborhood cat. And he's kind of sitting on the grass out front. And this is why I like cars. Cause my, my truck has a Flowmaster exhaust on it. So, and it's the loud muffler. So there's got super tens on it. So it's not too loud. Cause it still has the resonators, but it's like, it sounds comparative to a scat pack. So I get in the truck, I see the cat and I fire it up and it scared him. And I was like, I'm so cheesy because I was like, yeah, scared the cat. <laughs> like, got him. <laughs> uh, you don't get that with an electric car. No, you Sorry. Don't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just, uh, I, I want to be on board, you know, because, oh, it's so much faster. Like, I don't care. There's always going to be somebody faster. I want to be able to sit there and I, I love driving the Mr. Norm truck because it's got a nice, lope to it so when i pull up to a light i can be 20 cars back and it's just sitting there and you see the people like oh my god what what is that i love that i love that feeling nobody's ever done that for a tesla (laughs) nobody's ever gone wow it's that car is so quiet what what car is so quiet i can't you know nobody's ever done that so they have their place like everything you know if you want to have an electric car because it makes you feel like you're contributing to the planet somehow have at it have at go buy it and you go wait 14 hours for it to charge on your on your you know garage charger that's fine my my beef with that whole segment is that it's cutting into my segment Mm. if i wanted to do e-muscle and we could still get hellcat fine go ahead i don't I don't think that you're going to have like astonishing sales numbers by any means, but we're going to be over here, you know, slinging Hellcats to people who want them because let's not get started on the cult, like friendship of Hellcat people. Like (laughs) they are so passionate about their cars. So passionate. And, um, I say cult in an endearing way, but like, you know, they travel together. Yeah. They meet up before the car show. They come in together. Like, they're uh, they're just a very dedicated 
group and I don't think that they're all going to be like, ah, EV. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's be a hard segment to win over. So if they wanted to do e-muscle and it was its thing over here, I wouldn't care. But the fact that it's going to eat into a hobby that I love, I care a lot. So it gets zero of my support. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> this is also how cheesy I am. If I'm if I'm out mowing my lawn and I hear a nice cam, I will shut that little electric bastard off and I will listen like, okay, I know a badass car is going to drive by. You know, even if it's a shitbox, I'm like, sweet, yeah. <laughs> nice old truck with a cam. Cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've never done that for a Tesla. Never have. Yeah. <laughs> never. It's like, it's musical. You ever hear the Tyler Childers song? It's called Universal Sound. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it's a great song, but I think about it a lot in this, um, in, in regards to this. And the song is about him just needing the universal sound, which in this case is music. But in my case, it's rumbly exhaust. And like, you know, how it's the soundtrack to my whole life. Like, I don't have a radio in the 72. I'm driving it down the turnpike for two hours. That's what I'm listening to. Yeah. <laughs> Like, even in my in my new Challenger, like, I rarely have the radio on in that thing because I just want to step on it and listen to the exhaust and, and turn heads like how you would with your when you're mowing your grass. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I grew up feeling that way. So, yeah. Maybe, but. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll. And that's another thing too, like the prices of Hellcats now, you know, that's yeah. going to be, cause I, I do want one. That's one reason why I decided against a scat pack and why I was like, I'll just hold off. Cause I was like, I know if I get in that scat pack, I'm gonna feel pretty cool until a Hellcat rolls up and I go, if that's what I really wanted. Yeah. I probably should have just waited. But um, get or they go before they're done. I know that's oh, man. Now if somebody now I I don't want to say that. I was gonna say if somebody came to me with a really nice Hellcat and said I really like your truck, I, I still couldn't do that because I can buy a Hellcat almost any time. It's just probably gonna cost me a little bit more, you know. So I, I take that back. Um, I will not trade you know, my truck for a Hellcat. You a secret? You can have more than one. That's you true. Can have You're evil. <laughs> <laughs> You're evil. <laughs> Um, I, I love that philosophy. I really do. Uh, that's why I'm trying to move out of Washington and get a place out in Texas or something where I have some more room because in this little cookie cutter housing development, you know, I'm, I'm the trash in the neighborhood with the POS 73 roadrunner outside <laughs> that people are just looking at like, uh, like <laughs> you know? uh, I wait till they see me when I cut down this big, ugly tree in front of my house <laughs> and they, they have to look at it. There's no choice. Because right now they can drive by and not really look to the right. But if this tree that my, so my HOA, all the members have moved out. So there's like a, it's like a, a city running wild. And uh, they told me that I needed their permission to cut down this ugly ass tree in my front yard. And I was like, I need your permission to cut down this ugly tree. And they're like, yeah, it needs to go through the committee and people need to vote on it because it's a beautification. I was like, that ugly tree is half dead. I was like, I purposefully don't water it. Right. <laughs> so now they're all gone. And I'm like, oh. and the lady, I was at a homeowners association meeting once and they're like, is there anything else? And I knew that I was the guy in the neighborhood that, you know, had the shit box out front. And stuff. <laughs> so I was like, I, I do have a question. I was like, 
does and I put them all on the spot. I was like, does anybody have a problem? And this one, I had my blue truck. I was like, does anybody have a problem with my blue truck outside? And uh, they all kind of looked at each other and the neighborhood Karen, <laughs> she actually said this because I have a tarp that on one side it's blue and the other side it's brown. And I was courteous. I let the brown side shine. <laughs> I was like, eh, even even a blue tarp in this neighborhood is a little a little sketchy for me. So I was like, I'll give you guys the brown side. So she goes, I'm just glad that you have the brown side of the tarp showing and not the blue side. And I'll be damned if I didn't go home and flip that son of a bitch around. I said, all right, that's the game we're going to play. Huh? All right. <laughs> Cause I got, I had a bunch of, when I first started the podcast, I had bought all my sound equipment and stuff through Amazon and some low life, some tweakers stole it off my front porch. Right. So all my equipment gone. And, uh, she has a, uh, now I have one, one of those ring cams. Yeah. And to get into our neighborhood, you have to pass her house. She's that lady and she's got this ring cam. <laughs> and uh, of course, so I have to go over and knock on her door and be like, did you get any footage? And she looked at me dead in the eye and said, yeah, but you can't see their face. So it's kind of useless to you. And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like, what am I going to do? You know, chase somebody down, post their picture up. So I was like, all right, fair enough. But you didn't have to be such a uh, Karen. <laughs> but uh, I, I did. Pass one. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did a happy dance when I saw their moving van. I was like, "Yeah!" Dun, ah. dun, 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 dun. I was so excited. I didn't even say bye to him. <laughs> um, but now, now that the now that the homeowners association is disbanded, I'm trying really hard because I also have the van. I got the boogie van, and I'm like, "Man, they're gonna love me when I get the boogie van outside." Mister Norm's in the garage. I got the boogie van and this POS seventy three Roadrunner outside. They're gonna hate me it's how is that thing coming along it's not coming along so (laughs) i had to finally just buckle down and get a storage unit that's how these new homes are not built for car people i have a three-car garage and part of the middle bay is taken up by the damn water heater and the furnace and i'm like who built this house you couldn't offset it by like three feet so I can't park the Roadrunner. If I parked the Roadrunner in the garage, there would be literally maybe a foot of room to divide between the front and the back. So there's no room to work on it. The van, because it's a short, it's a, it's a short wheelbase. So it's a shorty van. I have about three feet. (laughs) So I can't even open the rear door all the way because it's got a big single Hearst style rear door. So these houses aren't built for that. And I, I had no room. I had a bunch of junk that I probably should have sold. So I've started selling some stuff off, but I finally just went and got a storage unit so I can reorganize. And then I work better when I'm organized. Yeah. And lately when I've been walking out into the garage, looking at all my stuff, cause I have boxes of parts to install and it's getting to the point where I was like, I don't even want to be in here. It's so unorganized. It just gives me anxiety. So I shut the door <laughs> now. Like after, after this, I'm going down to the garage because everything that I didn't want to keep here because I have no use for it right now is now in the storage unit. So tonight, after we get off the horn here, I'm going downstairs um, into the garage to organize it. And uh, I've got shelves. I'm like, all right, this is the van stuff I need to put on. This is the Roadrunner stuff. Um, speaking of which, Brian, you're in the chat. Uh, we need to talk, dude. I need to send you that money because um, I want that carb and intake. <laughs> uh I'm just happy to get reorganized again because I'm almost to the point where I was with my last projects where it's a stalemate. And this time it's my fault. It's my, I have enough money rolling in where I can do stuff and I have a bunch of parts laying around and I just don't have the space. I mean, it's, it sounds simple and stupid and it is, 
That's why I just forked out the cash, got myself a storage unit. But then I get the storage unit, I fill it up and I'm looking at all the stuff and I'm like, I don't need this shit. (laughs) I need to start selling this. And I keep arguing with my wife about, I'm not a hoarder. You know what I mean? And then I'm looking at the storage, you know, I'm looking at all this stuff and I'm like, why was I holding on to that? And then the little devil on my shoulder is like, you could probably get a few bucks for that on Craigslist. And I'm like, really? Am I that desperate to make a couple hundred bucks on these parts that will probably take me months to sell? And I'm paying for the storage unit. So I'm starting to have a different way of thinking. And like, I just have so much stuff like, Oh, I'll use that on a car someday. It's like, Hey hoarder, let's not have that mentality. (laughs) You know what I mean? So you get rid of it is when you're going to need it. Thank you. There you, there you go being evil again. (laughs) Negative influence on me. Mikayla. (laughs) Um, I completely uh, come from a family with garages full of stuff that we don't use. (laughs) Let me ask you this. Yeah. Boogie vans. What are your opinion on boogie vans? I'm curious. Um, there was actually quite a showing of them at Carlisle this year. My buddy Sean was there with his yellow submarine. Uh, yeah. Did you see it? Yes. Yeah. What did you think about that? I, I think, I, I mean, they're super cool. They're they're Thank super you. customizable in that you could do whatever you want with them. Like, nice. right? You, you yeah. can put whatever you want in inside. And so um, vans in general, we're seeing a lot of, like, people upfitting ProMasters into campers. Yeah, yeah. And driving them around. I'm like, so many people have done this, like, van life in new stuff. Yeah. Why isn't there a larger population doing van life in old stuff? Give this woman an award, please. Thank you. (laughs) See, you get it. Some people don't. (laughs) You know how earlier you were saying, like, um, you know, a truck isn't cool. You're sort of expected to have a muscle car. Yeah. Right. So, you know, maybe that, maybe that was accurate. Um, it was most especially accurate when I started getting into the hobbies and even having a 72 charger instead of a 69 charger was like, Oh, that's a little bit lame, (laughs) but we've seen this progression, I think in the hobby that, um, one, maybe because of inflation and the cost of things going up astonishingly year over year. But there's become um, like a bigger group of people who are getting, you know, the mid, the, the 73s, 74s back on the road, the four doors back on the road, yeah. the wagons back on the road, the vans back on the road. I remember when nobody wanted a bodies and now you go to Carlisle and there's lines and lines and lines and lines of beautiful a bodies. Like, I feel like there's the hobby has shifted in a way that everything has its place now. And there's this like level of acceptance for all things, not just late sixties, early seventies, um, you know, B and E bodies. So if you could get a Dodge van, you know, tricked out and back on the road and do it. If you could take it to Carlisle and sleep in the back because it's a good time, you know, drink a lot of water, you're going to need to hydrate, but do it. (laughs) (laughs) Guys that drive boogie vans are probably not thinking about drinking water. I'll just say that. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, I think it's cool that the hobby is sort of expanding and always not just... um, we talked um, the one time I was on here about how, you know, there has to be this acceptance between the classic crew and the modern crew. And I think that that extends as well. Like 
Um, there has to be an acceptance between classic muscle and classic trucks and station wagons and four doors and stuff that, you know, could still look pretty cool when they're given the appropriate kind of love. Yeah, no, I appreciate, I appreciate your viewpoint. Because nowadays, especially when it comes to vans, man, there's such a negative connotation. All these serial killers that abducted people in these vans, like, and all the guys with cool boogie vans are like, we just wanted to party in them. We didn't want to kill yeah. anybody, <laughs> you know, and now, like, I live a <laughs> hundred feet in that direction as an elementary school. And I'm so worried that I'm going to get this boogie van built and I'm just going to be driving home and parents are going to like shelter their kids from this van because they have such a negative connotation. I hate it. I hate it. Cause I grew up around vans that that's one thing I've never had as a negative connotation towards vans. I mean, you know, custom vans, like I don't see anything wrong with them, but people to this day still, and I've even talked to some people that are car enthusiasts that are like creepy old van. Why? And I'm like, see, you don't get it. You don't understand that there's a whole subculture of vanning that you just don't understand. Yeah. It's so. such a trend right now. I mean, that's the time I think that people should be taking advantage of it. You can make you can make a living being an influencer. It's crazy, right? And driving across country, looking at the same damn canyons and the same mm -hmm. damn mountains as anybody else driving across country. But because you're living in a little van and putting it on YouTube, people are like take my money for and whatever you know what i mean like it's just yeah or i don't know i feel like i feel like anything is cooler when it's done in a classic a hundred percent like i don't know if you, you know the story of what i want to do with that van but i want to deck it. i want to call it the van cave and it's going to be a mobile podcast studio so i can take it to shows and be able to conduct interviews from you know close to or inside It'd be a little bit weird being inside the van doing an interview, but it would allow me almost like what you're saying. Like I would be essentially taking that thing on the road, not only being able to sleep in it and have all my equipment and stuff and being able to cover events like that. I don't think anybody's doing that, but I'd also be able to tow my truck or whatever I have. So I'm like, this thing could really, you know, talking about the multi-use you know. vehicle, really. And, you know, not for nothing, we, we spoke a little bit about this in the beginning. Like, yes, Carlisle is a big show. Mo Parnats in Columbus, big show. Mo Party, big show. But like, not everybody goes to these big shows. Like, how cool would it be to cruise up to a little like, you know, mom and pop show that's happening on a Sunday in the church lot or the, you know, next to the carnival or whatever in these little towns that you'd be driving through in your adventures to these larger shows. And think about the stories that you would hear then. Like, it would just oh, yeah. open a whole new world, I think. I'm excited. This is uh, my buddy, Sean Thomas. He's the guy who owns the Moon Eyes Yellow Street Van that you saw at Carlisle. Okay. Um, he's at the Van Nationals right now. Now, for Vanners, I know a lot of people in this chat are probably like Van Nationals. That's like the Carlisle for Vanners. <laughs> and uh, his van there, like, he builds, you've probably seen Vanther, the the FM three pink van with the pentastar yeah. portholes and the go wing. One of my favorite vans of all time. And then he had the, the crazy van, the purple, the plum, crazy purple, big block van. And then now he's got this, uh, the yellow submarine, the guy builds vans, uh, man, any one of the vans he has or had, if he came to me in the chat and said, I'll trade you this van for the Mr. Norm truck, especially van 
I would 100% drive an FM3 pink van. I got I got no problems. I'm comfortable with myself. Drive the hell out of that thing. Um, but he builds badass vans, and he's at the Van Nationals right now. So I guess yeah. you can say that Talking Mopars is also at the Van Nationals. So thank you, Sean, for that. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Um, very cool. Um, we're approaching the two-hour mark. Any, If anybody has any questions for Makayla, get them in now. I'm going to run through this chat really quick. Um, and see what we, what we got. Uh, I'm just, I'm so relieved that you don't think that vans are creepy. That makes me feel good. <laughs> Cause if I roll up to the all Mopar show in the van and you're like, who's this creep? And I'm like, Mikaela, it's me. And you're like, don't let him in. <laughs> <laughs> no, bring it. I mean, I think, I think that's just what makes the hobby cool is everybody has. And you know, I mean, my panel truck really isn't that much different than a van. That's true. And that's a cool truck, too. That's Yeah, I love that truck. That's, that's I need to get awesome. that Carlisle again. There were a How couple did, this year, and I was kind of bummed I didn't have mine. Yeah, I I want so bad to take the Mr. Norm truck to Carlisle. I don't know, but Carlisle is one of those events where I feel maybe I won't sell it until I get it to Carlisle. I, I just want it to... <laughs> I want to take that thing around to some places because I know that a lot of people haven't seen it in person. It's just a, such a cool little truck. It really is. And not for nothing, but Carlisle is sort of right smack dab in the middle of a lot of rich history and cool places to see. So, like, you know, you could make a vacay out of it. Like, Hershey Park is not far away, and we're not that far from Philadelphia at that point, and Niagara Falls. And, like, there's cool stuff that if you were going to come out with the family, you know, and sneak in your three day car show, you could still see a lot of cool stuff on the East Coast out here. Man, just the trip alone from Washington, since I'm in the corner of the States, there's so much for me to see on the way. <laughs> it's like, I don't even know where to begin. Um, Wellborn Muscle Car Museum is also on my bucket list. Um, I, yeah. Going back to the whole events thing. Have you ever heard of the Hemi hideout? I think it's in Texas. Um, I've, I've heard of it in passing, but I, I've never been. It's like a venue for like weddings and stuff, but it's like, it's all decked out and cool, like old neons and cars and stuff. And I was like, part of me has this dream that someday I could do like a talking Mopars invitational where I have all my friends that have ever been on the show or associated with the show all gather in one place for just one awesome, just hoorah party of yeah. Mopars. Um, but then I think about how hard it is to hold an event. And I'm like, that would be so much work, but it would be so cool. It would. Um, and if you're only doing it once. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it would be just like a, a celebration. <laughs> just, I don't know if, I would have to have, because I would want to make it easy for people. You know, I, I wouldn't want to, like, no registration fees. Just, hey, here's your invitation. Show up. <laughs> and uh, I think it would be a lot of fun. Maybe someday the show will get to the point where I could make something like that happen. Um, Brian from Dust Devil Garage says, who's going to Mo Party? I am going to Mo Party. I guess I should announce here right now. <laughs> um, I uh, am not going to the No Name Nationals now. Um, it's a long story. I... Uh, <laughs> my schedule at work. So I was going to split vacation days. So I have one last week of vacation. So I was going to take three days for no name nationals. And I was going to take two days for Mo party. I already knew I was going to Mo party. So I already bought plane tickets, but the idea for no name nationals was always that I was going to tow my car 
and I needed the extra days. Well, that plan fell through because fuel is so crazy. I'm not going to be able to three, $4,000 on fuel. That's insane. I'm not going to spend that kind of money. I can't, <laughs> I don't have that money just to throw away. So then the other idea was, oh, I'll just fly out to no name nationals. Well, I got denied the vacation time. <laughs> so I was like, I can't split the vacation. And I already bought plane tickets to Mo party. They're non-refundable. So if I wanted to get rid of them, that's, you know, six, 700 bucks gone. Uh, as much as I, I love the guys going to no name, I wish them all luck. Have a great time. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> There's always there, right? There is, yeah. Um, is it an annual thing. Uh, this is the this is the inaugural no name national. So I hope it is a success so that it goes on because it is for it's an interesting event because it's for content creators, it's for YouTubers and people with YouTube channel, and I, I hope it grows to more than that because I had to. I had to qualify for it because I'm not a YouTuber. So I had to create a YouTube channel, get 500 subscribers. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm doing all this. I'm not even a YouTuber and I'm going to be at this event. So I almost felt like an imposter anyway, <laughs> but uh, it, it was going to be, um, it was, it was going to be a lot of fun. And I, I kind of, uh, I am definitely sad about it, but like you said, there is always next year. Um, I think we asked, we asked Michaela about this. She doesn't know anything yet, but I'm sure, Hey, you're going to let us know when you know something. Oh, yep. I'll be running my mouth about it as soon as I... Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, let's see here. <clears throat> but yeah, anyways, guys, I am going to uh, Mo Party. Um, you should make it out there sometime, Kyla. It's a fun show. I, um, my, my middle sister is actually relocating to Tennessee. So... Um, I think in the future, it's sort of along the way to see her. Yeah. So it'll, it'll become a little bit more accessible. It is definitely. It's a, when I, when I went last year, I just flew into Nashville, rented a, rented a Dodge Ram and just drove up to Bowling Green. It's a super cool. I love shows that incorporate not just a car show, but you've got drag racing, you've got mm -hmm. autocross. Um, they, it brings a whole new dynamic. Cause while you're looking at all these badass cars, you're hearing badass cars. Yeah. So it's like your engines, like your internal engines just revving the whole time. And you're just pumped. Like for me that it's like a drug. <laughs> like I can't, I can't explain it other than that. It's so much fun. Yeah, no, you, you would love it. Um, Brianna and Keaton white. Congratulations guys. If you're both in here, uh, they just got married. Congratulations. Um, yes. In the background of their wedding photos was her 440 Plymouth, and they are spectacular photos. I'm so, so jealous. <laughs> yeah. I just, I need to throw that out there that, like, my hat's off to any girl who uses her Mopar in her wedding photos, so. Right? Like, hey, ladies, if you want to attract a guy, <laughs> all it takes is, a mo like, for a Mopar guy, I'm sitting there like, man, I should have stepped my game up. How did I not have, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, good job, Keaton. <laughs> like, <laughs> High five, buddy. <laughs> he got himself a good one. Um, no, it's, I, I got the pleasure to meet her and him at Mo Party, and I got to see her car. And I didn't even know she was there. I just recognized the car. And I was like, that's Brianna's car. I know it. <laughs> um, well, we've been following each other on social media for, oh my gosh, years now. So I hope someday I get to meet her and see her, her cool rides. Yeah. No, super cool people. Um, same with the Crosby's. <laughs> the Crosby's are cool. 
Luke and Olivia, they're they're sweethearts too. I got to meet them in Vegas at uh, Muscle Cars of the Show. That's another great thing about this podcast. Everywhere I go, I get to meet people. Like I was at SEMA and some guy just came up to me and he's like, are you Chris from Talking Mopars? And of course, <laughs> like that's the first time anybody's like when I'm outside and by myself. So it was like, it, it was uh, like, <laughs> I don't know, reassured everything that I've been doing. I'm like, you know who I am? <laughs> he, he actually bless his heart <laughs> he's like can i get a photo with you and i'm like i don't know why but sure yeah <laughs> i was like it was so awesome i was just like wow this is crazy crazy yeah i, I call it uh oh, celebrity in my little world <laughs> you know like my uncle was at a uh, a bowling alley bowling tournament and this is completely random he was wearing a shirt that i custom made for him <laughs> and uh, it was back when I was still doing the Mopar Hunter. I made him a Power Wagon shirt that says Power Wagon. It's got the grill, kind of like the shirt you were wearing. It's got that yeah. logo on it. And it says the Mopar Hunter. And he goes up and he goes, oh, I know the Mopar Hunter. And my uncle goes, yeah, that's my nephew. And my uncle's white. <laughs> so he's like, it's your nephew? <laughs> it's su- <laughs> super funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just random things like that. When I hear people talking about my show and I'm not there, and then other people related to me like, oh, dude, I was at this event and somebody was talking about your shows. It blows my mind. It just makes me so happy. It makes my heart sing. I'm like, the show's getting out there. And that's that's awesome. I love it. There were so many people that came up to me at Carlisle and were like, oh, my God, we loved your talking Mopars. Get on again. I'm like, wow, this many people actually listen to me talk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> That's one. Th- the power of talking Mopars is funny. Like, I, I, I know that I'm the host of the show, but I started it because the community of Mopar enthusiasts didn't have a podcast. And now we do. And we can talk Mopars and say whatever the hell we want. <laughs> uh, and it's just been it's been so fun getting all the emails and stuff. And I love when I have a guest and people hit me up like, you know, have Miss Mopar back on or have Johnny Mopar back on. <laughs> like, you know, whenever somebody you know, reaches out to me to have somebody back on the show. I'm like, wow, you know, shows that they care. And that to me makes me feel good, whether it's, you know, two people listening or thousands because thousands of people listen to the show. I don't know where they're at, (laughs) but they're all over the world and it still blows my mind. Um, But it's so much fun. And it, it really makes me happy to hear that people were like, Oh, I loved you on the show. That's so cool. Yeah. Hey, Jovita, what's up? Oh, hi girl. We're doing good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that you're uh, still going, Brianna. That's awesome. Can't wait to see you guys. Dust Devil. Yes, sir. Derek. Uh, I'll hold you to that, dude. I will hold you to that. Do they have a beer garden at Carlisle or what? <laughs> Derek is, is such a cool dude that I've had the pleasure of knowing for so long now. Um, like, I've got to hold his babies because when wow. I met him, like we were just kids. So um, if you get, if you have the opportunity to have a beer with Derek, I, you'll be vibing. Awesome. Hell yeah. Um, Sean, I have a simple solution. Tow the satellite with the yellow submarine. <laughs> Problem solved. Right. Jovita, you also had badass wedding pictures. Love uh, them all. Yes, they were stunning. <laughs> so Jed from Scott Speed Shop just put together this pro stock Hemi. And it is the stuff of if you're a fan of Hemis, the thing is just nasty. And he's not even putting it in a car. 
He's using it for display purposes to teach people about the history of pro stock Hemis. So he's going to have it on display. And uh, apparently it is running. Jed, um, I will do you the honor, sir. If you want to come on and just show us and share a video of that thing running, I'll let you on. Let me know. Brianna, nice. Keaton, what's up, buddy? <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I would have been disappointed if you guys hadn't done some Mopar shots. Yeah. I'm disappointed in myself now when I look at my wedding pictures. <laughs> Actually, I, I take it back. We don't even have any. We did a shotgun wedding. I take it back. I, I didn't even have a photographer. Maybe we'll have to do it again. <laughs> a vow renewal. Yeah. <laughs> um. Gosh, I'm so bad about this chat. I feel bad. I'm sorry. Any, anybody that's been in the chat, I, I have seen everything you've been writing. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you, both Mikaela and I do. I do, um, too. I, I'm going to follow along, and then I get talking, and then I forget. I'm so good about the first couple seconds, but I never want to interrupt and be like, oh, hey, so-and-so said hi. So anytime you say hi, just know that I'm seeing you, and I'm silently acknowledging you. Just know that. <laughs> um. For Mo Party, uh, myself and some of the other members of the Motley Crew of Mopars, we're going to get an Airbnb, so it's probably going to be a party at our Airbnb. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if there's any cruising that goes on in Bowling Green that I don't know about, because um, I would love to go after the show and go to a cruise. That'd be awesome. Uh, Scott's Pro Stock Hemi is a 71-era, 451-inch Hemi with a Dick Landy dual distributor setup, magnesium tunnel ram, and twin dominators i will be buried with it jed <laughs> i've told you this before i love it when you talk dirty dude <laughs> big blocks in the house we have to go cruise bowling green yes sir um no questions for Mikaela. what uh, tim <laughs> yeah I, I had to turn mine well mine did like mopars but i, I now she's mrs mrs talking mopars mrs mopar hunter so um yeah. let me put I, they are. They are definitely out there. This show proves it. And let me let me guys tell you guys something funny. So my wife and I got into this hobby of kayaking, right? I already have a boogie van. Last night I come home and I just say, I really want to build a van. And she goes, huh? And I was like, I, I want to build another van. Let me clarify. I want to build a kayaking van. And uh, I was like, but it would have to be like an A100, like an old surf van. And this woman, bless her heart, just reaches up and gives me a high five which to me is like a acknowledgement of, oh, you can get another van, but it has to be an A100. So love you, babe, if you're watching this. <laughs> Brianna says, I can never find any cruising in Bowling Green after. So maybe, well, yes, that's it. Um, I know that the rest of the Motley crew and I talked about this. We talked about making flyers for like a meetup spot and cruising in Bowling Green and just passing them out at the show. And hopefully the people that are there We'll be like, yeah, we'll go check it out and we can all just hang out after the show somewhere cool. Um, there's that old. <laughs> so we went to dinner on the last night of the show and it's this little pizza joint and we get out of Blake's truck and we've got the Cuda, his AAR Cuda in tow. And we look across the street and there's this giant brick wall. Um, Mopar Bell posted a picture of it and it's this brick wall and it's an old Chrysler Plymouth building and it's got giant, a giant painting of, um, Chrysler Plymouth. It was so cool. We about lost our minds. It was like, what? So of course we had to do a photo op and stuff. It was, it was amazing. And then we're walking towards the restaurant 
and my crazy ass sees a, a little tattoo shop and the guy's walking out. And uh, I basically told the other guys, I was like, hey, should I get a neck tattoo? Should I get the other side of my neck tattooed with a giant pentastar right now? <laughs> and they're like, do it. And I was like, hey, man, would you tattoo me right now? <laughs> and uh, he's like, if you got money, it's going to cost because he's shutting down shop. And I, I, I got to be honest, Matt, you were there. We we did almost get tattoos. I regret not getting that tattoo. Why? I thought my wife would flip out if I came home with another neck tattoo. I think she, she'd be like, what? Are you out of your mind? And I'd be like, yes. But uh, she flat out looked at me and said, oh, you should have did it. Like, almost like, loser, you should have did it. And I was <laughs> like, so that will be a regret from the <laughs> first Mo party. Brian says, so next year, can I bring a ratty street freak duster to Makayla's show? I don't think she would turn oh. you down, dude. No, we. My sister brought her sixty-nine dart project, and like, it's a good conversation piece. Yeah. You know, what? we certainly like, learned a lot from other people that were there that have darts. That um, you know, it's it's good networking, I think, to bring your project cars out. Absolutely, um, yeah. <laughs> it, they create more conversation than the fully, you know, perfectly restored cars because. People want to know, like, what are you doing with that? What are your plans? Yeah. Do you need this? Are you looking for this? And I like the guys that are like, plans. This is it. Yeah. <laughs> you're exactly like, okay. All right, dude. High five. Right. Um, your sister with the dart is. Uh, does she also have the Jeep, or is that a different sister? Yeah. You got okay. That's she's the same one. Okay, so she, the other sister is not a Mopar girl. No. She comes in, she does a great job running registration at all no car show, but that's her one car show event of the year. Like we're like, Ashley, we rented a big RV for Carlisle this year. We've got plenty of space. You want to come? And she'll be like, I'd rather be dead. Oh <laughs> my God. <laughs> uh, man. But your other sister, uh, Haley is her name. She's the yeah. photographer, right? Uh huh. Is she's the, she's the one that takes all your shots. Yeah. Yeah. She does a great job. Thank um, you. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, how, is she getting progress on the dart or what? What's the story on the dart? It's slow, but she's getting there. Um, yeah. She needs manifolds, but they're horrendously overpriced anywhere she finds them. <laughs> I mean, horrendously overpriced for her budget. They are hard to find, so you understand why they're priced high. Um, but she's, you know, fresh out of college and trying yeah. to make life, and it's like she can't spend 800 bucks on exhaust <laughs> right now. Like, So she's getting there slowly but surely um she brings it to cars and coffee here and again and um she's like kind of learning her way around that yeah. sometimes doesn't run so <laughs> dude what a treat two sisters to roll up with two awesome mopars it's like wow uh -huh. um it's kind of it's funny that your one sister ashley uh yeah. isn't into mopars and two of you are Usually it's like the one psycho. So it would be Michaela's the one psycho that is. And the other two sisters like, are you doing that car stuff with dad again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Ashley can be the, the, the outcast. The automotive <laughs> genetic is so strong in our family that the black sheep is the one that didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Was uh, Haley hard to convince or was she already in it? Like you were as a kid. Um, I, I think she was sort of in it. She, uh, I don't know. She, her, her childhood was kind of cut in half. My mom died when she was 13. So 
she didn't after that she didn't really have a choice but to hang out with me and my dad yeah um, bummer so, <laughs> <laughs> uh so she was always at car shows with us but i think she would have been there even if she she had a choice so i'm certainly thrilled to have her in the hobby um one year at carlisle the year i won with the power wagon um she won with her xj and for us to like we have this cool picture and it's a candid shot of us both holding our little trophies and we're high-fiving and it's like it's those kind of moments that you're like they don't write this shit in movies like this is <laughs> this is just a cool moment to share and um I, I guess that's kind of the point of why I do what I do to get more young women involved in the hobby um, and make their presence kind of known. So well, let me, let me ask you this. Yeah. Um, oh, first, what kind of manifolds does your sister? So she needs 69, um, 340 manifolds. And the one is like kind of goofy looking. And I, uh, I, I don't even remember. I don't pay enough close attention. Sure. Um, but so I, I think they're year specific for the 69 340s. Um, and they're, we've only ever found one for sale at Carlisle and it's cracked and bondoed or welded. <laughs> JB welded. Somehow. Oh. It doesn't look ultra sturdy to me. But they want like, <laughs> they like 600 bucks for it. Um, which I think is just a risky purchase. It, if yeah. you don't know if it was repaired correctly um so if anybody has leads on correct you know it, i mean if it if they look in to be in good shape i'm sure the money would be worth it but uh, you can trust you can trust the people in this chat find, uh, manifolds that would be cool 69 340 manifolds for an a body let's get the hunt out there let's help Haley out um she does she do a lot of photography with cars or is that like your your sister's special bond thing um it i when she was younger it was sort of a career she wanted to pursue and then she found her way into law enforcement so now she just is at oh home. she's the cop <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh gosh uh-huh. dangerous yeah. but she likes cars so that's always a good thing yeah um, that's like a guy's dream getting pulled over and the cop and you're like oh no and she's like i love your car i actually have a 69 <laughs> dart at home it's like uh, lucky for you i have a diamond ring right in my glove box waiting yeah. for this moment <laughs> always an icebreaker my god now that's cool um i was gonna say if she had uh, a photography page or something um she could you could promote it for her. but if she I doesn't do I don't think she no. like really runs it anymore. She used to be brass knuckles photography. Oh, okay. She of like entertainment shots um, yeah. in the music industry, and then of course my stuff. But you know now it's just like me saying, "Hey, like get your camera. We need some <laughs> <laughs> put the cuffs away, dust off the camera, yeah. and get out here." <laughs> uh, that's funny. Oh, yeah. Scott saw the cracked set of headers as well. Oh, good. Or manifolds. I really um, the only one that was like, please don't <laughs> buy <the> bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Brian, yes. Not only does the law enforcement, the cop sister, like cars <laughs> and guns, but Michaela is also a fan of the Second Amendment. Yes. <laughs> um, on that note, guys, I'm not. Uh, Michaela's been gracious enough to give her, give us her time on a friday night of all things it's what midnight where you're at it is yeah my god i am so sorry i apologize <laughs> it's okay <laughs> I, 
Totally. So that's another thing about being on the West Coast. All my people are like, you know, I got Johnny Mopar, Mike Coffee, and a couple other guys in California and everybody else, you know, Arizona, and they're like sprinkled, but it's like East Coast and Midwest. That's where <laughs> they're all at. I'm like, oh man, and the South. Um, yeah, I need to I need to get out of here so that I, I don't have to keep Mikhaila <laughs> up so late. It's already Saturday. <laughs> but um I hope you don't work tomorrow. It's actually my birthday tomorrow. So I'm is on. it really? Happy yeah, well, birthday. Thank you. <laughs> How old are you? 21? I wish. I'm 33. Really? Yeah. Very well. Happy birthday to yeah. you. Everybody <laughs> sing happy birthday to Mikhaila. <laughs> well, hey. I'm gonna do some yoga in the morning and I'm gonna drive around in my dodge all all afternoon. Hell yes. On that note, happy birthday, Mikhaila. Thank you very much for joining us again on Talking Mo Parts. You're welcome back anytime. Um, clearly, everybody loves to have you on the show. Um, you're fun to talk to. And, uh, you know, maybe next time we can uh, talk some more about uh, guns and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Happy birthday. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter. This is Makayla Brass, better known as Miss Mopar. You can find her on Instagram at Miss Mopar 7172 and on Facebook at Miss Mopar. Is there anything else you'd like to plug before we leave? Nope. You can follow my All Mopar Show pages. That's just All Mopar Show on Instagram. And uh, I think it's at All Mopar Show on Facebook too. But if you type it in, you'll find the little picture of my 64. And that is us. Awesome. Hey, we're still waiting for YouTube content. I've had a couple of people go, hey, what's up with Mikayla's YouTube page? I was like, oh, you want me to hound her about her YouTube page? <laughs> I have these grand plans. Like when we were at Carlisle, I was like, I'm going to get some really cool content. And then, like I said, I made it 30 feet away from my car. And, you know, you get stuck chit-chatting with people and catching up with people. And you're like, well, there's always yeah. next. <laughs> oh yeah i can't count how many times i've been live at a show or an event and like i'm walking by and i see someone i know and i'm like in the middle of doing uh like recording a live and i'm just like oh knuckles dude what's up and i like feel bad and yeah. sometimes i just stop. i talked to one of my buddies while i was live for like 20 minutes and i could just see all the people like what is this guy doing so i'm like <laughs> talking to him and I'm just holding the camera in different spots <laughs> every 10 seconds. And I'm like, this must suck for you guys. I am so sorry, but you know, you got friends, you know, you got people yeah. out there, you know, uh -huh. but that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy your Saturday. Once again, happy birthday, Mikayla. There you have it. My friends, another episode of talking Mopars is in the books. For everything you need to know about this podcast or to listen and subscribe to the show, please visit TalkingMopars.com. And don't forget that you can send me your Mopar stories, questions, comments, complaints, suggestions, and everything else on your Mopar Addicted Bind to Chris at TalkingMopars.com or leave me a voice message on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR to hear yourself on the show. If you want to help support the show, you can pick up some cool merchandise in the Talking Mopars merch shop. There you can order products like t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, mugs, and more. And you can find that at TalkingMopars.com in the merch shop. Another way to help support the show is by becoming a supporter on the Talking Mopars Facebook page. By becoming a supporter on Facebook, you will get access to exclusive bonus content and you will be entered into our monthly supporter giveaway where you will get a chance to win something fun related to Mopars. Special thanks to my friends over at DIY Hemi for their unwavering support of this podcast. If you are considering swapping a modern Hemi into your classic Mopar, go give my buddies at DIYHemi.com a shout and tell them I sent you. They'll be more than happy to help you out in their mission to Hemi swap the world. 
That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.